Hello, my name is Joe Fricky, and welcome to the 16th episode of Movie Changeup, where every week two people go head-to-head pitching reboots to movies we all love and love to hate, but with a little added twist, because every week there are also new rules they must follow. One rule per movie, and you can't use a rule more than once. In today's special episode, we're, uh, because of a certain recent events, we have gone with political movies as the theme for this episode. And now, to help me determine the winner in today's head-to-head matchup, I have two assistant judges, because we are testing out this format again and hopefully reverts this technical glitch curse that started on our first three-judge episode. Uh, the competitor must get at least two of the judges to rule in their favor for the point. My first assistant judge has made a few appearances previously as a consulting judge. Uh, he's been a host and competitor, but is still working his way up the leaderboard with a record of one in four. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, my name is my name's Bobby. It's been a little while since I've been on here. It's glad to, I'm good to be back. Um, this should be an interesting episode. I, I really do like the idea of the three-judge format, um, you know, just... Uh, I think it could make a, make the game a little more interesting if it can persuade two people to get your vote. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right. And uh, our second assistant judge is the co-creator of this podcast and one of the best competitors with a record of six and one. Why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Johnny Dupe. I'm glad to be back on. Uh, we had a off week last week just due to scheduling uh, issues for everyone. So it's good to be back. And uh we tried to basically do this on election night, but you know, it's still it's still relevant, very relevant, especially since it took a few days. So interested to see what these two competitors can do with some interesting set of uh, political movies. All right, and uh, now we have two competitors today. Uh, our first competitor uh, played the last time we used this format and is currently zero and one. Why don't you tell the people who you are? Tristan, are you going to talk? Oh, I'm just kidding. It's me. So uh, <laughs> my name's my name's Darren. Uh, I'm good to be back. Hopefully this time I can uh, put up, uh, get out of the, put a win in the win column. So. All right. Yeah. Uh, our second competitor is a little bit better than his one in three record shows. Uh, why don't you tell the people who you are? Hey guys, it's Tristan. You know, when Joe said one of the best plays in the game, I was like, that's me guys. I'm here again. But, you well, know, I'm, I'm still bugging my way up. He would have said the best <laughs> competitor in the game. So I didn't know he was talking about me. We'll see. But, yeah, I'm one and three. I'm hoping to make that go to two and three. And I feel like two and three is a great return to greatness. And it's a great way to kick off a winning streak. So I'm excited to do that, especially after this very political week. We're going to have some political movies. All right. And uh, before we start, if you're listening to us through a podcast app, go to YouTube and find this episode of Movie Changeup. Give us that thumbs up, a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you're watching us on YouTube, go to your favorite podcast app, download this episode, and give us a rating and review. If you think we gave you a five-star podcast, give us that five-star review. If you think we gave you a four, three, two, or even a one-star podcast, help us out and still give us that five-star review. If you're watching live, feel free to comment. Uh, and I'll read the comments live if they're not shitty. Uh, Bobby, uh, if you'd read these seven movies we're doing today. Yeah, so we have today, we have uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter from 2012. The Campaign, also from 2012. Election from 1999. Olympus Has Fallen from 2013. Team America World Police from 2004. Parkland from 2013. And The Post from 2017. All right, and uh, Johnny, if you read the seven rules we are doing today. All right, today are rules. Uh, one must involve time travel. 
One must be cast as a 1980s movie. One must be a teen comedy. One must uh, one must be one only you want to watch. Um, and then one must have Bane uh, from The Dark Knight. One must be a foreign film. And one must be a martial arts movie. All right. And uh, we've determined who starts before the show. And that uh, person is Tristan. Tristan, what movie are we doing first? And who is going first, you or Darren? I'm going to start with the post, and I'll go first on this one. <clears throat> All right, and before you start, I'm going to give a little background on the post, which I forgot to have pulled up. But <laughs> done 16 of these episodes, and I still haven't remembered everything. So the post got an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a 2017 American historical political thriller film directed and produced by Steven Spielberg. It stars Meryl Streep as Catherine Graham, the first female publisher of a major American newspaper, and Tom Hanks as Ben Bradley, the longtime executive editor of the Washington, Washington Post. Set in 1971, the Post depicts the true story of attempts by journalists at the Washington Post to publish the infamous Pentagon Papers, a set of classified documents regarding the 20-year involvement of the United States government in the Vietnam War and earlier in French Indochina back in the 1940s at the end of World War II. That's what the Post is. So, uh, For my version of the Post, I tried to capture that sort of like core of what the post was going for, like this idea of a journalist having this higher ground integrity of being able to stand up against these oppressive forces trying to stop them. And I used my rule of making it a foreign film. I made it a French movie that's telling the story of uh, Charlie Hebo, the uh, cartoonist uh, political magazine that was the victim of a shooting a few years ago. Uh, my director, I used uh, Celine Sicamara. She's a French director who just directed... Um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, a really critically acclaimed movie that came out, I think, last year, the year before. It was on the top of a bunch of lists for best movie of the year, so I think it's a good chance for an indie director to do something a little bit bigger. And my caster, I didn't cast a bunch of people because I think you want to cast, obviously, native French actors. So I I don't know a ton of them, but I think that I would trust the director to know more than me in that regard. Uh, for my lead, who I have as uh, Stephanie uh, Charmbrunner, also known as Chag. He was the one of the major c cartoonists of the magazine. I have him played by Vincent Castle. You might know him from the most recent season of Westworld. And as the editor-in-chief of Charlie Hebdo, I have his name in real life is Gerard uh, Biard, and I have Jean Renault playing him. You probably know him as Leon the Professional, but he was also played the Roach in The Five Bloods. And we know the general story of Charlie Hebdo, so I won't go into a super amount of detail of it, but I do want to get like that behind the scenes story of what made this magazine so special and get to know these people who are ultimately the victims of a really terrible attack. So we focus on those two characters. You know, Chag was the, was the uh, publication of pre the president of publication at the magazine. So he was a pretty, pretty big up, big up there person. And he was specifically controversial for his left wing cartoons where he did cartoons based off of cops, cartoons based off of uh, left wing sort of political figures. And the magazine went through a big hiatus in the 80s and was revived in 1992 when both of these people joined the company. So I think showing them like being these leaders of rebranding this magazine as a leftist magazine would be really interesting. But of course, the main focus of the story is about their choice to publish the picture of Muhammad several times in their cartoons, which was what ultimately triggered a lot of the anger and then the violent, ultimately violent uh, whiplash of their actions. 
so I think we would see that choice and why, why they decided to stand up against hatred. But I think the ultimate uh, better ending to that is is that we focus on the story that after this happened, instead of shutting down, instead of delaying, instead of firing people, instead of closing down the company, the next day they made their deadline for the next issue, the day after the shooting. And I think that's really inspirational. And because not just that, but because their next issue, they put that cartoon on the front cover and they weren't ashamed of it. They weren't afraid of it. They put that cartoon out there and dedicated all the funds from that publishing to the victims and their families. And ultimately that issue sold over 5 million copies and had to be reprinted internationally because it was such a massive, massive financial hit. So I think taking that idea of the post of these journalists who stand up against oppressive forces to publish anyway, is something that would be relevant to this new version of the post where they decide to publish this anyway, to stand up against hatred and violence and to publish this very controversial magazine cover. And ultimately it was a big success for them. All right, this really interesting take on the movie. Uh, Darren, what is your pitch for the post? Okay, so my pitch, um, I decided to implement the rule of it being an 80s film. Um, So for my director, I have Martin Scorsese. And um, I'll read off some of my cast here first. I have um, Mia Farrow as Kay Graham. Uh, For Ben Bradley, I have Michael Douglas. For Tony Bradley, I have Richard Gere. Um, Ben... Bagdickian, I have Christopher Walken. Uh, Fritz Beebe, I have Gene Hackman. Arthur Parsons, Jack Lemmon. I um, also have Clint Eastwood, Burt Reynolds. And then I also have uh, Richard Nixon um, in a couple scenes in the movie. And I have uh, one of the greats, Walter Matthau, in that role. Um, so with this being an 80s movie, um, I wanted to kind of have it like maintain that kind of like Oscar bait kind of style. Um, but obviously transitioning like the entirety of the cast and crew to resemble as if it came out in the eighties. Um, so the film's plot centering around like the Pentagon papers, a lot of that's going to stay pretty much the same. Um, just one minor change that I would add is just adding a few key scenes, like I said, with Richard Nixon, including uh, the entirety of the Watergate scandal as part of like the film's like final act um, with the resolution um, between with like Kay Graham and Ben Bradley. So I would add that in there as well. But otherwise, I would keep the, a lot of the story mainly the same, just a little bit with that 80s kind of style and, and with a lot of those uh, legendary actors from the 80s. So um, that is my take. All right. Um, Bobby, do you have any questions for either of them? Uh, I mean, I, I, not really big questions. I, I think anything that I have will come out in the arguments. Uh, just a little bit maybe from Tristan on because it's a very different story. Not a very different story, but it's a different true story. So I guess just how is it quite a remake of the post, but I think I got that for the most part. Yeah. I just think it captures the original themes and premise of the post, even if it's not about the exact same people publishing the exact same article, it's about uh, journalists who stand up against society and the status quo and stand up against oppressive forces to do what they know is right. And I think that's the ultimate story of the post, even if it's not the same characters doing the same things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Johnny, do you have anything? Yeah. My one question um, for Darren is why why did you feel that this story is something you feel like Scorsese would have been tackling in the 80s? It seems kind of off filter for what he was doing at the time. Well, I mean, you could, I mean, obviously he's one of the best directors, not only of that generation, but of uh, in film history as a whole. Um, I feel like he is a talented enough guy 
where even though like like Taxi Driver, a lot of those other movies that he did maybe back then may, maybe might not have been, it might have been, it might seem a little off, but I think especially as his career kind of turned out, I mean, he can handle this kind of film. He can handle pretty much any kind of film, in my opinion, like that, especially when it comes to a, a real life event like this. So um, I, f- I feel like, especially with the talent, when you, when you, when you give him that kind of talent, I think he'll turn on a really good movie. All right. Uh, I don't really have any questions. So uh, Tristan, what don't you like about Darren's pitch? I think Martin Scorsese sounds like a good pick for it, but I don't know if it sounds like a good pick in the 80s. I think he could do that now. I think like post Wolf of Wall Street, I'd be really interested in seeing his take on this kind of a story. But at that point in his career, I would much rather see him be doing like crime thrillers and things more in his wheelhouse that really helps him like get his gear for what he becomes as a director. And I don't think that a story about newspaper newspaper publishers by Martin Scorsese would be very uh, timely for his career at that point. And even timely for the world that they were in, because I don't think the 80s was necessarily a time where freedom of speech was being limited or anything like that, where it would have really been powerful in the moment of it coming out. Because a lot of what the Post did so well was it came out in this era when the president was directly attacking media and directly attacking the news and directly attacking the New York Times and New York Post, all these very big name people. So I think that has a timely element that that would be missing if it was in the 80s. That's a fair point. Um, I I would still argue that when you have a, a talented, when you have the talent in the you know, with like the director and in the cast and whatnot, I feel like you know yeah, yeah, it might not be as relevant in terms of like with obviously not with Trump, but I still feel like you could turn out a really good movie. And even with Scorsese being an odd pick, I think it would be a good refreshing change for him to do something like that, even if it was in the eighties, you know. And I think that it would still garner a lot of award attention. And I think that could only be that could only help your career. Um, so, and, and and with yours, why? What was the inspiration that made you pick um, to go to go more of that with like the French director and go in that uh, go in that direction with yours? I think that's a really powerful story of the Charlie Hebdo massacre, and then ultimately the company coming and re- reuniting with each other and publishing this this big issue the day after it happened, and that was like a huge, huge news story, just obviously not to the same vein as the original story of the Post, but it was, might've been, honestly, that got global coverage, that shooting, you know, people in the United States are talking about that the day it happened. I think that's a massive, massive event and seeing like the behind the scenes of these people interacting and the choices they made to become, to publish that picture would be really interesting to me because I learned a lot just from researching it in the last week doing this pitch. And I, I think it would be a fascinating, fascinating story to get the, depth into a lot like it was for this we all know generally oh they published them and this is what happened but we didn't get to see like the actual terror and the anguish of making that choice and knowing my whole career maybe my life hangs on this one choice and i think bringing that forward to this more modern story would be really relevant to the original post right my only concern would be that it might not be something that would catch people's eye it would be one of those movies where like for example um uh, I can't think of the movie Tom Hair now, but like a movie example for like where, yeah, it's a good movie and it gets Oscar attention, but it doesn't necessarily gain a lot at the box office. It doesn't really catch people's eye in the grand scheme of things. That would be my main concern with that. But yeah, I mean, I I'm know. ultimately trying to go for like a critically acclaimed movie. You know, this is like something that right. I can see winning like foreign film at the box at 
the Oscars, something that would be really big and really relevant and really timely. Sure, it's not going to sell mm-hmm. like millions and millions of tickets at the box office, but I think it's something a lot of people would see. People saw the post because it had good actors and good directors and a relevant story. So I think people would see this yeah. too. And probably capitalize after the award season, probably. For sure. Yeah, once something wins Best Picture, everyone's like, oh, I got to go see that. And then they suddenly make a lot more money than they did before. Yeah, crazy how that works. <laughs> Sorry, right, I'm I, ready I, if you guys are. I, yeah, I think I got my mind made up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you guys need to hear anything else, or do you guys have anything else? Um, I just one quick question for Tri- Tristan: Are you going to depict the shooting in the movie? The I would attack? have the event in there, but I'm not going to have it be like a really terrifying action scene or anything like that. I think the biggest problem okay. when you show these kind of stories is that they make it really scary and really intense, and like this thing that feels like an action movie scene. I want to focus very, very much on the victims and not even really bother with the attackers as much. Okay. Sounds All good. Right. Uh, Bobby, you just asked a question, so I'm going to start with you. Where, where are you leaning? Who who gets your vote? So I think that answer by Tristan made me lean a little bit towards him. Um, I think both movies sound interesting. Uh, I it just I do think Tristan's point of that. I think that it's it's a movie that Scorsese would make now and not necessarily in the 80s at the time. Um, that was a good point for me. Uh, and I really like that. That I do know that story with uh, the, the cartoonist, so that's that was intriguing. And I like the idea. I think it captures the idea of the movie, even if it's not the same true story. It's kind of the same general concept. So I take that, and I think you use the rule well. Um, it, it sounds like a movie I'd want to see. All right, uh, Johnny, who gets your vote? Yeah, for me, this came down to um, I think for me, just picturing the movie and something I'd be interested in. Scorsese is probably my favorite director of all time, but there are a few movies of his that I haven't seen and have no interest in seeing because it's when he strays too far away from what makes his movies great. And that's honestly, I think, I think the problem with the post that came out, I, I never was interested in seeing it because I don't care about a Steven Spielberg, um, you know, Oscar Beatty version of this story. If, if you had gone a different direction, Darren, and went with like um, uh, Oliver Stone, who did Platoon and... Um, uh, born on the 4th of July, so he already tackled some Vietnam issues in the same era. That would have been a perfect fit. Or someone like Alan J. Fakula, who likes the journalist stories because he did all the President's Men and uh, the Parallax View. I think those would have been really good choices and would have given me a better tone of what your movie is. Um, for Tristan, Celine Siama is probably the best upcoming director in Hollywood right now because I had zero interest in the storyline of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and I was completely captivated from start to finish. And like Tristan said, for like his attack, you don't have to make it this horrifying scene, but I know it's going to be tense because of his directing choice. So I think that that fits the fifth storyline well. So I'm also going to go with Tristan on this one. Yeah, it's a clean sweep because I don't like this is what I was looking for for the based on a true story movie. It's a reboot of the movie, but I still felt like there was a lot of the same themes and similar ideas of the original post. Great use of the rule. And with Darren's, I felt like it was a lot of more of the same. And the first post just bored me. And he didn't, I just felt like he didn't do enough with it to make me want to see his version of the post. It's just like the same similar cast, just plug and play actors from the 80s and i don't know if martin scorsese's version of the post is going to be much more exciting than steven spielberg so i was going to go with tristan as well and so uh darren it's your pick what movie are we going with okay i will go with abraham lincoln vampire hunter 
All right, finally Thank a good you. movie. <laughs> and uh, who goes first? Who's gonna go first? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. All right, uh, let me give a little background on Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Uh, it's from 2012. It got a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I understand why, but it's a little underappreciated for for me. Uh, it's a little high. A, it's a little low. I, that movie is at least like a 55 <laughs> to 60%. We didn't see the same movie. Uh, it's an American <laughs> dark fantasy action horror film directed by some guy whose name I'm not going to pronounce. It's based on the 2010 mashup novel of the same name. Benjamin Walker stars as the title character, the real-life figure Abraham Lincoln, the president of the United States, portrayed in the novel and the film as having a secret identity as a vampire hunter. There you go. That's the uh, background on American uh, Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. All right, so <clears throat> with this here, I am going to my rule is I'm going to pick a movie that only I would want to watch. Um, I, might, I know that might not be the most appealing to everyone, but um, if you know anything about me, uh, my favorite movies are usually directed by my favorite director, Zack Snyder. So he's going to be the guy doing this. Um, for my cast, uh, for Abe Lincoln, I have Tom Hanks because I think you know he kind of fits that mold of doing literally, you know. He portrays a lot of realist movies based on real life people. Um, so I'm, I think he would be a really fun Tom. Tom makes a really fun Abe Lincoln. Um, I also have Zach Efron, Ray Fisher uh, in there as well for Mar- uh, Mary Todd Lincoln. I have Jamie Lee Curtis. I also have um, Tom Welling, my favorite, one of my favorite actors, uh, Ross Baller from 13 Reasons Why and Shazam. Uh, Stephen Amell, Alexander Daddario uh, for Thomas Lincoln. I have Ben Affleck. For Nancy Lincoln, I have uh, Teresa Palmer. Uh, for Jefferson Davis, I have Benedict Cumberbatch. And for Senator Jeb Nolan, I have uh, John Schneider. Uh, for those that don't know who he is, uh, um, he was obviously John Kent on Smallville, and he was also in uh, Dukes of Hazard. Um, so my take on this would be being one, you know, what I would want to watch. I would make this kind of like a pseudo prequel to like the Army of the Dead franchise on Netflix uh, coming out next year. Um, it'll obviously take place back in the 1800s and retain kind of a similar style and tone to the original, um, but it's going to definitely turn up the violence and the dramatic tension up definitely a couple notches. Um, it's, you know, especially with hearing what Army of the Dead's going to be kind of like this crazy sort of uh, um, like balls to the walls kind of intense um, action thriller where the zombies are actually going to be a lot more uh, like faster and a lot deadlier. Um I think that would be a really fun kind of a prequel uh, movie to that. So that's my take. All right. Interesting. Tristan, what is your version of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? So for my Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, I also went with only movie that I would watch. I was thinking about putting Zack Snyder. Then I remembered who I was facing against. And I said, of course, he's going to use Zack Snyder for whatever mm-hmm. movie he uses that rule for, no matter which one it is. <laughs> so I went with Ryan Johnson on mine. I love The Last Jedi, and I'm like super hyped to see whatever he can do next. I, and I don't even care what it is, so I'm ready for that. And my producers are Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber, because, of course, Batman, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, is a musical. It's a big gothic musical for the makers of Cats. It stars Henry, Henry Cavill as Abraham Lincoln. He's fighting Nick Cage, who plays a racist southern vampire master. And the co-stars Taylor Swift who's like this angel between death and life. 
and she has of course a musical number throughout. She sings the big, the big number that maybe will be the, the failed Oscar attempt in Vein of Cats. Uh, so she produces the entire soundtrack. It's filled with original songs that feature the cast members. And after dying from an assassination, Abraham Lincoln is resurrected by the angelic Taylor Swift as a spirit. Uh, she and she entrusts Lincoln to hunt down all the racists and fascists and surviving Southerners across the whole United States who are all secretly vampires. And Abraham Lincoln goes on this mass killing spree complete with, instead of, instead of fights, they're just, they're just sing duels. You know, they sing at each other and whoever sings the best just dies, you know, they just explode. And of course there's a really, there's a tragic, tragic love song between, between, uh, the angelic Taylor Swift and uh, Mary Todd Lincoln, because secretly the angel is in love with Mary Todd Lincoln and she's stuck at home depressed with no Abraham around. And Taylor sings from the window, sad that she cannot comfort her lover, Mary Todd Lincoln. And in the final battle, vampire Abraham Lincoln, he fights all these giant vampires in this big musical battle. You know, they're all singing at each other. They're all, they're all trying to out-sing Abraham Lincoln, but you can't. You know, it's, it's Henry Cavill's Abraham Lincoln. He doesn't get out-sang, not by Nick Cage, not by anyone. And ultimately, he defeats Nick Cage, and Abraham Lincoln is reinstalled as zombie president Abraham Lincoln, and he saves the United States. Okay, then. Uh, I, got, I got a question for each of you. Uh, Tristan, who plays Mary Todd Lincoln in your movie? I, I don't have anyone written down, but I'm sure they're wonderful. Uh, okay then, uh, and Darren, my question for you: In the movie, is Abraham Lincoln fighting vampires or is it zombies? Because you said it's a prequel to his Army of the Dead movie. Yeah, it'll be uh, vampires. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's all the question I. Oh, we yeah, lost Johnny. Johnny again. Oh man. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, Bobby. Um, um, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um. I mean, I understand both of your movies uh, for Tristan, I guess with, with the balls to the wall kind of musical kind of crazy movie, um, I guess defend Ryan Johnson a little bit. I do love Ryan Johnson, but he doesn't quite do, he does bombastic. I feel like in a very different way than you described. So I guess defend that. Um, and then uh, I think for, for Darren, your I guess, how is this going to differ from other Zack Snyder movies? Um, like his other his like the show coming up, his other um, zombie movie and all that. And I guess the action style that he does, is it going to be any different? I'll, first, first. I'll say I picked, I picked Ryan Johnson because I want to go slightly off of what he normally does, because I think that adds to the rule a little bit. Like if something only I want to watch, I want it to be like kind of out of the realm of this director's wheelhouse, but not quite, you know, he does bombastic. He does kind of, kind of silly, but this should just be like, completely over his level of silliness, which I think would turn off a lot of the like casual audience who would want to see this. And it would just be me and by myself watching this. Okay. All right. Uh, and then, Oh, sorry. I was just gonna, um, you were asking me about how it would, how mine would differ from his other movies or how, like, is that what you're asking with, with yeah, mine? Pretty much just, um, I mean, I know you're a big Zack Snyder fan, but is this going to fall into like the same exact kind of vein as his other movies or is it going to, to, you know, vary a little bit? Um, I think, and it's 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 a shame we haven't seen a trailer for Army of the Dead yet, because that would really give a kind of a better picture and idea um, of kind of what the 
the style of that movie is going to be like. Um, I kind of envision this kind of as like a kind of like a, a mix or a blend between 300 and um, something kind of like Sucker Punch in a way where it's kind of like um, it has that that darker kind of, you know, and a lot of action and a lot of, uh, you know, violence and whatnot. But um, it has that that signature, even like the slow-mo action sequences and stuff like that. So, okay. um, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, that's all, that's all, all right. I have. All right. Uh, I started, I think, with Tristan last time. So, Darren, what do you not like about Tristan's pitch? Or, what, any okay. Okay. Um, I know this is supposed to be about movies that only you'd want to see, but is it the idea that pitching it so more than just you would want to watch it and like it? I, I, right. I'll, I'll, I'll like, say this, and this is to both of you. I had to fight yeah. this one time, and what we've learned is the best way to pitch this is to talk about how other people would love their the other person's movie. Is the best way to fight against this rule because you both use the okay. same rule for this movie. So the best way right. is basically to talk about how the other person's movie would appeal to more people than just them. Right. Well. Got you back on your phone. Next, there we go. Angelica's setting up her laptop, and I'm going to see if that works. But for a second, I'm on my phone. Did you have any questions for either of us? Um. Yeah. Where are we at? Did you guys? Uh, they were like just there? about to start fighting each other. We've each no. asked questions, but all right, perfect. Um, I'm not sure what they asked you guys, but basically, I think this is going to come down to, yeah, why? Why is this a movie? I, this is going to come down to I'm going to pick whoever uh, convinces me that their movie is one that I want to see less because it's just for you. Okay, so yeah. if this is a movie that I want to see more than you're going to lose. So why that's, is your yeah. movie only for you and not for anyone else? Yeah, that's basically what I told them. I told them because they both use the same rule. The best way to fight this movie is to talk about essentially how good the other person's movie is. So. So, uh, yeah, Darren, I guess fight your movie first or. You have Taylor Swift. You have Ryan Johnson from Star Wars. How's it getting better than that? And you have Henry Cavill being, you know, strong and sexy and everything. So, I mean, how, how's it get better than that, right? Well, I mean, my one attack on yours is that it sounded good. <laughs> it sounded like something that I would actually see. Like, I love Zack Snyder. I know he has a really big fan base. You know, he announced the Snyder Cut and the whole internet lost his shit for multiple days on end. And I think that shows that regardless of how people don't, Feel, people don't like a lot of his movies. People still come out to see what he's going to do next, even if they're not super into what the premise is of the movie. So I think Years sounds like something a lot of people would watch. People will always watch Zack Snyder's movies, even if they're bad. And see, that's just that people are just going to hate on it just because he's the one directing it. So, I mean, why, why would you pick mine, right? That is true, but people love Batman v Superman. You know, people love Man of Steel. They have, what, a hating, they, they have like really? a hating really? cult amongst them, but you know, you know, we both talk about these movies all the time and how much we like them both. <laughs> so yeah, you can't say there's that. not a, there's not at least a group of people who follow Zack Snyder everywhere he goes. Guilty as charged. No one's no one really saw Cats, and anyone who did just made fun of how terrible it was. And I think if you said, "Oh, the p- people who made Cats are going to team up with Ryan Johnson who ruined Star Wars, and they're going to make uh, a Abraham Lincoln musical that totally." disregard the source material and that's, that's something that's very different from the book and the original movie it sounds like something that would just be like cats <laughs> no one would go people, see it 
But I, I, I would disagree because, I mean, when you think of, like, like the one I pitched, they're like, yeah, we've already seen 100,000 other vampire and zombie movies. We've already seen that before. Eh, whatever. But they're like, wow, this is, like, so crazy and bizarre. Like, it's almost like, you know, the rumor. It's like, you, you have to watch it, you know? So. That's true. But think, everybody's I mean, seen yeah. zombie movies before. And yet we're all hyped for whatever Zack Snyder zombie movie next movie is going to be. Another zombie series. Yeah, but I mean, yours just sounds like the kind of movie where it's like, like it's just this is so crazy. I have to at least see it, even if you have no interest in it. You have to at least see it. I think some people would just be turned off just by I don't know seeing who's directing it or whatever, you know. So. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just think the Cats connection really, really hits this. I think Ryan Johnson has a following, but he has a really, really intense online hate fan base that will. Net will just block anything he makes and will make weeks and weeks and weeks of YouTube videos about how he's ruining everything in their lives because they made a movie he doesn't like. And people don't already do that about Zack Snyder? <laughs> that is true. People still go see the movies. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm ready if you guys are. Yeah, I think I have my mind made up. Uh, Johnny, are you there? Yeah. All right. Well, you got your mind made up. You know who gets your vote? Yeah, I, I think it's tough because I don't want to see either of these. Um, and Tristan sounds like a much worse movie. But I don't know. My thing is uh, Tristan doesn't sound like a even like a realistic thing of being made. And I don't know if that helps him or hurts him. <laughs> Darren's I could see actually being made and is terrible because Zack Snyder is just the worst. Um, but you know what? It's a movie... Just for someone that they want to see, I don't think Tristan actually wants to watch the movie he described. <laughs> I think Darren would actually. Enjoy I would watch his this more. like every day of my life. Yeah, I, I've had Taylor Swift in a musical. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. It he, just, he liked cats. You did like cats, which is a, a problem. <laughs> I can but, pull up my signed Taylor Swift poster somewhere in this room and show you guys that. Yeah. I think box office wise. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's hard to tell. They both are bad. But yeah, I think Darren described a movie that he wants to see. And um, and that just the problem with the original one is that it took itself so seriously that it was unwatchable. And that is exactly what a Zack Snyder one would do. And at least with Tristan's, it could be like a fun hate watch and be like, why did this happen? And Darren's, I feel like, is like more unwatchable. So I'm going to go with him. You're going with the which one? Who are you going with? I'm going with Darren. All right, uh, Bobby, uh, who's got your vote? So this was tough because it's weird to judge these this rule. I haven't judged this one before, but um, I guess because Darren's is a movie I'd rather see, um, I'm probably going to end up going with Tristan. But it was a tough fight. But it's like I like Zack Snyder more than Johnny does. I don't love every movie, but I love Man of Steel. Um, I like 300. Um, you know, he ha- he has some good movies. Uh, and it, even though it would be generic, I feel like that would be a movie quite a bit, quite a few more people would see with Tom Hanks um, in there too. Uh, and then with Tristan's, it's just, it's so crazy and over the top and singing duels in a vampire movie. Like, I don't think a lot of people would like to see that. Um, I think it would have fun, like memes pretty much, but it wouldn't be a great movie. So I think I'm going to go with Tristan, but that was a weird fight for me for sure. All right, so my thing is Taylor Swift got brought up and how popular she is. Henry Cavill got brought up and how popular he is. And 
there's and Ryan Johnson got brought up and how like he has a fan base. The one thing I didn't remember hearing get brought up was Tom Hanks and Darren's movie, uh, and how he's a popular actor. And the fact that Tristan didn't bring up the fact that Tom Hanks is starring in a movie, a popular actor that everyone loves. That's the moment when he got coronavirus. Everyone was like, "Oh shit, coronavirus is real." That was he's like America's dad. America's and fact, dad. And the fact that Tristan didn't hit on that as being something that only Darren would want to watch of uh, Tom Hanks being in his movie, I'm gonna have to go with Darren. So fair enough. Yeah, I forgot Ooh. he was in that. So we got a yeah. tied up game, one to one. And uh, Tristan, it's your pick. And who goes? What movie are we doing? And who goes first? Um, give me I'll one second. With, I'm going oh, yeah. to back out real quick so All I can right. switch. All right. Yeah, we can keep going, and he doesn't need to read the description for the movie and all that. So. Yeah, my my movie is going to be Election from 1999. All right. All right. Are you going first, or is uh? Uh, he can go first. Barry right. can go first. Okay. Right. For Election. So, yeah. So Election okay. got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a 1999 American black comedy film directed by Alexander Payne based on Tom Perota's 1998 novel of the same name. Uh, the plot revolves uh, around a student body election and satirizes politics and high school life. The film stars Matthew Broderick as Jim McAllister, a popular high school social studies teacher, and Reese Witherspoon as Tracy Flick, an overachieving student whom he dislikes. When Tracy runs for student government president, Jim sabotages her candidacy by backing a rival candidate and tampering with a ballot count. So, uh, Darren, what is your pitch for election? Okay, so for mine, uh, the rule I picked, I picked time travel. I wanted to mix this one up a little bit. Um, for my director, Robert Zemeckis, uh, most people probably know him from Back to the Future, but um, he's also done a lot of uh, like rated R movies, um, a lot movies based on real life and whatnot more recently. Um, I think he'd be a fun pick to kind of mold the two of them together. Um, but I'm kind of pitching mine a little bit different. Um, so mine is going to be kind of like a sequel to the uh, miniseries uh, 11 um, that starred James Franco. Um, so Jake, uh, now back in the present teaching high school again, uh, feels as if someone has time traveled to the present with uh, a new football jock, Paul, um, joining the race for the class election. No, if I student mighty president, um, he knows that Tracy is the better and smarter candidate. Uh, Paul is just way more popular due to his athlete status. So um, with Paul set to win the election, not to mention the strange inklings around him, um, Jake kind of pieces together what time in history Paul is from because he gets that idea that Paul's not from this era. And he figures out he's from 1999. And he goes back strictly on the basis of trying to figure out how and why Paul time traveled. Um, as he discovers, there's plenty of uh, familial and athletics-related knots to entangle that kind of speaks to the American condition as a whole. Um, and I'll read off my cast here as well. So obviously in the main role, I have James Franco. Um, for Tracy Flick, I have Elle Fanning. Um, for Paul, I have Caleb McLaughlin uh, from Stranger Things. Um, I think that'd be a kind of a huge role for him. Uh, Tammy Metzler, I have uh, Anya Taylor-Joy from The Witch and Split. Um, and then for Paul's parents, I have Phil Morris from Doom Patrol. Um, he was also in Smallville as well. And then I have uh, Kamira Westbrook from All-American. I also have Joe Manganiello as a coach. I also have uh, Alexandra Breckenridge. 
uh, from This Is Us and Virgin River. And then for some of the other students, um, to kind of to appeal to that uh, that demographic more, I have uh, Jazir Bruno from The Witches in Atlanta and Samantha Logan from All American as well. So that is my pitch. All right. Uh, Darren, what do you got? You mean Tristan? Yeah, whatever. Why not? Let's go twice. Yeah, yeah right, right. Then I win. Yeah, right? I didn't hear you the first time. Just run it back from the top. Let's go. No. Okay, Tristan, what do you got? Uh, yeah, my my version of election, I made a 1980s movie. Physically, hmm. I had it come out in 1988, towards the end of the 80s, but right around uh, an election year. I had it directed by John Hughes, who had just come off of some huge, that was like his peak of his career. And I think he'd just done uh, planes, trains, and automobiles like a year before this. So this would be while he was still on his hot streak there. And I have my cast is Michael J. Fox, who plays Jim, a good natured young conservative who's like a Reagan loving high school student, similar to a character Michael J. Fox played on a TV show earlier in in his career than this. Uh, He runs for school president against Tracy, a classmate who's a liberal book smart candidate from a yuppie family. She's played by Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall from Breakfast Club and all of John Hughes's classics. He plays a campaign manager friend of Michael J. Fox's character. who's trying to help him win the election so that he can learn how to be cool from Michael J. Fox in order to win over the affections of Molly Ringwald's character. So there's sort of that like love story in the middle of this election story. So we see Jim and uh, Tracy who were initially on obviously polar opposite sides of Every issue, Michael J. Fox is playing up the Reaganomics type stuff, and and um, Molly Ringwald's character, she's Tracy. She's leaning into more of like the post hippie kind of new liberal era of the of the late '80s. We see them have sort of campaign debates. There's a famous campaign debate in the original movie, and I sort of brought that into here. So we see a campaign speech where Tracy gives like a sort of reasoned and policy driven speech about what she's going to do, and then she's run up by Jim, who gives this sort of big bombastic high energy speech where he's like, Oh, I'm going to give everybody pizza parties every day. And like, you know, those typical like unmeetable promises people will give in a campaign, but turned down like a high school level. I think that would be pretty funny. And we see these two characters who are on opposing sides slowly start to connect and learn that their two worldviews have more in common than they think. And they eventually learn to have some respect for each other. And even if they don't agree on things, they don't change those minds. They both realize that, their opposing sides have things they can learn from. So uh, Tracy learns to be a little more bombastic, a little more character-driven in her presentation. She learns to have a little, open up more, give her more, more personality, something that was big in Reagan's conservatism. People were very big on, the, on this, sort of like Trump is now. They're very personality-based people. And I think that's something that she would learn. And I think Jim will learn from her that there's room for policies, learn to slow down, there's learn there's room to be honest with your with people who are looking up to you. And I think both of them can learn two lessons from each other and ultimately learn to sort of come together as as friends. And ultimately I uh Michael J. Fox does win the election, but Tracy is still friends with them afterwards. So we get sort of this ending similar to Breakfast Club where it's like, oh are they still gonna be friends or was it just this like momentary thing that connected them to each other and that's my pitch all right uh, i don't really have a, a question for tristan i do have a question for darren my question i, I like mm-hmm. i don't fully understand your plot of how like the time travel comes in and how it all connects together i guess so that's 
what I have for you if you could go deeper into like the plot of your movie. For sure, yeah. So the t- the part where the time travel comes in is when um, uh, Jake he realizes that um, that pa- Paul is actually from the, uh, the he's actually from a different era. He's from a different time, okay. uh, and so he's traveling back into the past um, to discover why Paul came to the future in a way. Right. Um, so that, that's and that's and that's kind of where like it. Uh, dives into like you see from his family like an african-american family who doesn't have a great upbringing and has to kind of fight for everything he gets and um so that's kind of the the route i was going with that all right and then do we ever learn like why he came back to present or why he came back to i guess now yeah um i didn't really go too deep into that part of it but basically uh it's it's a way kind of like um, there's actually uh, um, I mean, you guys probably have no idea what I'm even talking about, but there's a, there's an episode towards the end of Smallville where um, the character named Booster Gold comes from the future back to the past yep. because he wants to he can he knows what's going to happen and he's going to be the the cool he's, he's going to seem really cool and like he's a one up Superman basically and that's sort of why he does that is because he wants to be. Uh, he, he has a better chance of being viewed that in that way. He has a chance to start over and start fresh. So, All right, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I'm a big booster gold fan. I named my car booster because it's gold. So I get, I get what you're saying. Uh, Bobby, any, right on. any uh, questions? Uh, no, I think I'm after that. Cause I, that was my main thing. It was just the plot of Darren's, but I got a better picture there. Um, so I don't really have anything too much. I just kind of want to hear him fight it out. All right. And uh, Johnny, anything from you? Yeah, same thing. I've never seen Election, um, so I'm just interested to see what one entices me more in the in the duel. All right, yeah. Um, I think I asked Darren last time, Tristan, to start this off, what are your problems with Darren's pitch? My biggest problem is similar to the question brought up, is I don't really see how the time travel factors into this plot directly. Like, I get that the character time traveled in the, before the movie, you know, like in a, in a different show, but this plot doesn't really have anything to do with time travel. So I don't really think it's a time travel movie just because there's a character who in a previous life time traveled. (laughs) And I don't really see like how James Franco being that character from that show is super necessary for this story. Like I don't, I would understand if like his knowledge of events from the sixties was able to like help him win or like something he learned about JFK could help him win. But He's just kind of that character showing up in this other movie. I don't really think it holds together. There's not a lot of time travel in this movie at all. And I don't understand why it's a sequel to the show that's not even close to this in any way. Do you want me to respond or do you want to? Yeah, you go. You go. Okay. So the reason why I went with this is because I think it, the reason why I picked this to be a, a sequel to that is because I think it'd be a fun kind of uh, further exploration of that character where I think when you look back at this, I you know at the 11, 22, 63 uh, series, I think one of the things that kind of stuck with me is that, I mean, yeah, he, he went to go back to try to stop JFK from being assassinated. But I also think that it's also his curiosity as well. And I think that that would also be another thing where like in terms of this would be like a, an interesting way of exploring a different part of the past. So it's kind of related where it's exploring a different part of the past um, to kind of get at a better feel for um you know, a, a different kind of demographic per se. Um, and it also carries on because he's back. It starts off with them back in the present, 
which is where the original series started off with. Um, so he would be back in, uh, and basically he spent so much time in the sixties and he felt so out of place in the, in the present. I think that would be an interesting way of further exploring that as well. I see that. So a point for mine is that I think it's a really good point in John Hughes's career for him to do this. I think he came off, he's come off of a really, really strong run of, uh, his sort of high school kid movies. And then he did planes, trains and automobiles, which was out of that wheelhouse. And I think this could be like a comeback mm-hmm. movie for him getting back to the high school setting, getting back to his classic cast. And he didn't really do after planes, trains and automobiles. He didn't do like great stuff after that. So I think this could have been a, a good way to like get his career in a different direction. So I would be really see, interested to see him take that on. See, the thing with that is I can definitely see that being a movie. I can definitely see that, you know, as you know, I can definitely envision that. The only thing is, is that it kind of seems redundant to me because we've already seen like the breakfast club, 16 candles, um, you know, fast times, Ridgemont high. There's so many of those classic uh, teen eighties movies. Um, I think another one would just kind of seem like I've already seen that before. And that would be the, uh, that would be my biggest thing with yours. I, I would see still that. watch it, but yeah. I see that, but I do think it's a lot different from what he's done before. Like he, he's sure he's done movies with high school students, but like one that's specifically about an election would be unique. And it's a way to bring in the sort of commentary that he brought into stuff like breakfast club, where it was like, Oh, these people you think, you know, you don't actually know them very well. And I think taking those archetypes of like the yep, the yuppie liberal who's trying to like change everything in America and then the conservative Reagan loving people who think that everything's perfect and there's no problems at all in the 80s. There's no AIDS. There's no this. There's no that. And I think that could be something that we could learn from like just seeing these people with two polar opposite views. Even in the 80s, politics is very, very divisive, especially in the 80s. You know, Reagan inspired a ton of division among uh, progressive and, and democratic people. So I think even though some of the division is still happening today, it's not like it just started now. You know, back in the 80s, it was very prominent. And I think people will be ready to see something that tries to bridge the gap between these divided parties. See, the, my only thing would be that um, when, when you think back to Reagan in the 80s, I, under, I completely understand what you're saying about the divisiveness. I just don't think that would be a completely, it's not a completely reflected opinion um, on the mass people, just because he completely destroyed Walter Mondale in the 84 election. So, I mean, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from, but I don't think that would be a view that would be held by a, a lot of like the mainstream audience per se. But And I tried to factor that in because I didn't like Michael J. Fox, like the bad guy, you know, where like he's not mean, he's not like, cruel he's just a conservative and sometimes that comes out Mm -hmm. in a little bit of a little bit of his personality and some personality elements that the audience doesn't like about him but i think the ultimate point of the movie would be like hey the stuff we don't like about both people maybe we should try and come together instead of going further and further and further apart because we know from future view what can happen if that happens so Right. I just, I just think mine, mine would be a little bit more relevant in terms of like, you see, you see a, you know, a kid who's kind of has a, comes from a bad upbringing and tries to um, go about something in a way where they think they're doing it the right way, but they're not and having to come to terms with that. And I think especially, you know, considering the climate of our world that we've been in this last year, um, I think that'd be really interesting seeing a person of color having to 
um, especially with uh, Caleb McLaughlin. I mean, he's a big star for Stranger Things, and I think that'd be a, a really cool kind of uh, fun kind of breakout role for him as well. All right. I, I think I know where I'm going to go. All right, yeah, I got everything else? I said. No, I'm good. Yep. All right, so I think I'm going to go with uh, Tristan on this one just because his movie, I felt like it was a good use of the rule. I understand where he went with his director, and I like his overall pitch in this cast. With Darren's, I was still kind of just, I don't know if Zemeckis is really, like he's worked with time travel in the past, but I don't know if he's like, sounds like the he's the right fit for what this pitch is, and I don't really fully understand why it needs to be connected to a miniseries that basically, while I really liked, I don't know if anyone's really talking about or it would really matter that it was connected to that miniseries. So I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Tristan on this. Uh, Bobby, what are your... Um, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the connection to the miniseries really hurt you. Um, it's one that I've heard good things about, but I haven't seen it. I know a lot of people have not seen it. Um, and that's going to turn a lot of people off if they already, if they don't know this character or, um, this time travel background very well. Um, and Tristan just sounds like it, you know, it sounds like a John Hughes fun movie. I uh, like Michael J. Fox. Uh, you know, you have a good cast. I think it would be fun. Um, it would be very similar to all his other ones, but it sounds like one I'd rather see. All right. Yeah. So uh, Tristan officially gets the point. Johnny, would you? Yeah. Agree on Tristan as well? Yeah. Yeah. That would be a clean sweep for me as well. I think the idea of a time traveling, someone going back in time to win an election sounds like a premise for an awesome movie, but I just think Darren messed up by involving the show and the James Franco stuff. Like it didn't have to do with that stuff at all. I think you could have made your pitch really strong if you just made a serious movie about someone like rigging an election because they were from the future yeah. or a funny movie about the same thing. It's basically like, it reminds me of like the Biff from Back to the Future Part 2, um, but mm-hmm. kind of in, yeah. in reverse type thing. Um, and yeah, you said Tristan's movie just sounds like any other John Hughes movie, but like John Hughes movies were all pretty good and they were all different. And this was not yeah. something that he ever dealt with in his movies. So I, I'd be interested to... Uh, yeah. to see this and i would have watched his before i watched uh a one about a show that i was never interested in watching yeah i think so. if, fair, fair enough i think if darren if you had just made your show like a guy whose life never went right and he was like a boring high school teacher and he went back in time to help his younger self win a high school election so he feel like and he felt like that's where his life went wrong is when he lost I feel like it'd be a lot more on board with your movie, but I just felt like connecting yeah. it with a show that people like they like ne- neither of the other judges had watched. I watched it. I really liked it. Yeah. So, I know if I'm competing yeah, here that if we try and tie stuff into like established TV shows and established media, it's really, really hard to win. <laughs> so I think yeah. if you wouldn't have tied it into that mini series, you would have definitely won this one. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do we got next gentlemen? Um, I will go with uh, uh, what the heck. I'll go with Parkland. Parkland, oh. Parkland. And uh, I'll go first. All right. Let me uh, figure out where it is on my list. Did I not write a description for Parkland? Oh, no, there it is. Parkland, it's a 2013 movie, 50, 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's an American historical drama film that recounts the chaotic events that occurred following the 1963 assassination of John F. Kennedy. The film is based on Vincent Bugliosi's 2008 book, Four Days in November, The Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. All right, Darren, what do you, what do you got? 
All right, so that's what I really went back and forth on because I actually liked the uh, movie that the 2013 movie. I actually liked that one. Um, I can't say I love it, but I thought it was a pretty decent movie. Um, for this one, I decided to I went back and forth on this one. I I decided to go with it being a foreign film, um, kind of like in the vein of similar but different to what Tristan's first pitch was. Um, so with this one, I'm actually going to I'll read off the that my take first. Um, so I realized it's quite a significant change, obviously, um, but to implement the rule of this being foreign, um, I'm going to have this version of Parkland be like a true, like an anime production uh, made overseas by Studio Ghibli, um, but having it take place obviously in the U.S. back in 63 and have subtitles. So in other words, it'll be a foreign film, but because it'll be like foreign to the country producing the film, that's kind of where my rule comes into play. Um, the plot would remain very much uh, similar. Um, but obviously incorporate some of the, the conspiracy theories to liven up the world and the dramatic tension a little bit. Um, I'd also end the film with an end credit montage of Parkland significance in favor, or uh, um, not in favor, but in having um, four of the main people from the JFK assassination actually all had all passed away there by 1970, which is kind of a unique kind of uh, fact. So from the cast, uh, for the director, I actually have... Uh, I'm probably going to say some of these names wrong, but um, the director of Spirited Away, um, Hayao Miyazaki. Um, I also have uh, Haruka Tomatsu from uh, Sword Art uh, doing the voice of uh, Nurse uh, Doris Nelson. Uh, for Jackie Kennedy, I have uh, Yui Ishikawa from Violet Evergarden, which is a cool Netflix series. Uh, for Dr. Jim Carrico, um, this is the role that uh, Zach Efron played. I have... Uh, Yoshitsugu uh, Matsuoka, from, also from Sword Art Online, <clears throat> doing that role, and also the role of uh, Roy Kellerman, which was Tom Elling's role. Um, for the role of James Hosty and father Oscar Huber, I have Nobunaga Shimazaki from Fruits Basket. Um, I also have for uh, uh, Robert Oswald and Lee Harvey Oswald, I have Hiroshi Kamaya from Attack on Titan. Um, I also have uh, for JFK and LBJ, I have... Uh, and Moru Miyano from Death Note. And then um, Abraham Zapruder, uh, Yuki Kaji from My Hero Academia. And Forrest Searles, I have uh, actually a voice cameo from the director himself, uh, Miyazaki. So um, that's kind of my take for Parkland. I know it's kind of crazy and out there, but I think that'd be a really unique and interesting way of, of viewing the film. So, All right. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, what's your pitch for Parkland? All right. Well, interestingly, uh, I also went with a very out there and strange one. I haven't seen Parkland. Uh, just looking at the poster, made me want to fall asleep, so I made mine a little more exciting. Uh, mine's a time travel movie. Director is the director is Ava DuVernay, hmm. and my cast is Lakeith Stanfield as a mysterious patient who shows up at the hospital. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya is a first year doctor who just started working at Parkland Hospital. Jesse Plemons is a, a bookish kind of nurse who's been there for a few years and is, is very strict about the rules. Zazie Beats is a nursing student who's studying under Jesse, under Jesse Plemons. And it's about a trio of med students who work at the Parkland Hospital in Dallas, Texas during the 2020 coronavirus. Uh, a lot of them are new to the medical field, but of course during the virus, the hospitals got very desperate and were bringing in people who were just out of school to try and cover what they needed to get covered. And their chaos is interrupted when an unknown patient shows up with a gunshot wound claiming he is from 1963. He tells Zazie Beach, who's working as his uh, doctor, and 
He says there's a secret room in the hospital that lets them travel back in time to November 22nd, 1963. The day JFK is set to be arriving after being shot. So Jesse Plummins, like I said, he's kind of a by-the-rules nurse. So he's saying, like, oh, we can't. This is crazy. We can't follow this guy's crazy stories. We have this virus to fight. We're way too busy. We have work to do to get back to work. But she confides in Daniel Kalua, who tell, who's, like I said, he's a first-year doctor. And he says, look, I don't really believe you, but I'll give you what, a couple hours. Let's figure out what we can do. Let's just listen to this guy's story and see what we can figure out. So, of course, it's true. There actually is a secret room hidden in the hospital that lets them travel back in time, but only to the morning of November 22nd, 1963. So they decide that they have to figure out in these few hours that they have between the morning and when he's shot, how they're going to save him. So the first time they travel back in time, they come back and they say, okay, we're just going to use our modern medical knowledge and we're going to do like a really good surgery on JFK and he's going to survive. But that doesn't go well because, of course, he had really, really bad injuries when he showed up at the hospital. So they think, damn, we already fucked it up. Uh, I guess we got to try again. So they go back to this closet and they realize they can try every time they open and close the door they can they can start at this morning over and over and over again so they have multiple attempts to try and save jfk so we get this sort of this sort of almost heist movie where these this trio of characters is trying to work together despite the differences to figure out ways to save jfk and of course since they're able to travel multiple times they're able to use that knowledge they gain in one trip to outsmart themselves in the next one so maybe they go the first time and they they try and stop the motorcade, but then Lee Harvey Oswald already shoots JFK after they stop. So they, maybe they say, okay, we got to stop it earlier. Maybe we got to like get one of us to be in the car with them. Maybe, And eventually uh, they're trying all these different ways. And the, every time they're trying it, he's still ending up dead. So eventually Zazie Beach's character ends up in the car with JFK uh, as he's driving up to the motorcade. And she tells him like hey, you're about to get shot and die. We don't know what to do, but I'm from decades in the future, and this is such a pivotal moment in American history that we, we don't want to lose you. We need you to come help us save this country. And he ultimately tells her, like, you can't mess with the past. I've learned from my experience as a president how important it is to, you know, he's he learned from stuff like the Cuban Missile Crisis, how, how very, very tight history is, and how one little change can totally change history and and you might think it's going to help your, your current problem, but saving me could totally alter the entire course of the United States, and we never know what we could do. So ultimately, they have to let JFK die in order to keep history maintained, and they return to uh, 2020 Parkland Hospital, and they're reunited as a group, and they decide to work together to do the best they can to keep people safe during this virus, even if they can't change history. That's my right. pitch. All right, so I have I have a question for each of you, uh, Darren. And a lot of the uh, like Studio Ghibli Miyazaki films, there's like a lot of fantastical elements and like spirit creatures and stuff like that. Is there any of that in your version of Parkland, or is it all pretty straightforward and realistic, except for just the fact that it's animated? I would say it is a little bit of both where I would incorporate some of the conspiracy theory aspects like the shooter on the grassy knoll and, and just kind of weird stuff like that. And, and maybe more of that, like that more of that, maybe like, the, like a little bit more like the, the violent darker nature, like the, of the shooting and whatnot. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too far in the fantastical part of it. I would, I would just, I think it'd be a cool kind of thing to, to kind of mix up his, uh, 
um, his repertoire of films, I guess I could say, and do something a little bit different and a little bit, uh, uh, you know, something that I think would be kind of a story, like a, a cool way of reviewing that time in history, I guess. So. All right. And uh, Tristan, my question for you is when Zazie Beats gets in JFK's car and says, I'm from the future, you're going to get shot. Why does he not say, get this crazy bitch out of my car? And instead of giving her a, an emotional, encouraging speech. Well, I think you can tell from the way she's acting and the way she's talking to him that she's not crazy. She's very genuine. She's very, you can, he can see in her emotions that she's really feeling what she's saying. And you might not believe her, but he, even if she's crazy, he has this moment to, to comfort her and say, oh, look, you know, you might be terrified about this event. You think it's going to happen, but history is, has a way of swinging back and history has a way of looking dark and eventually becoming bright again, you know? All right. Uh, Johnny, any questions for either of them? Um, I don't know. They both sound kind of interesting. Um, my, my question for Tristan would mainly be how do the rules of your time travel work? Because you made it sound like they're just going back to the same day over and over. Or is this like, like, okay, let's say one day they go back and he still dies or whatever, but they, when they go back in time, why is it like nothing changing when they go back? Like every time they go back, shouldn't things be affecting the future? And then if they were to actually save him and they go back, like if your movie is just saying like they change things in the past and then nothing actually affects it unless they make JFK live. If they make him live and go back, it just seems like they're going to just reset it like normal anyway. Well, I had it so that like, when they according when they do like it's a linear timeline so when they go back and make changes like you can you can see the changes happening sort of like back to the future too where like he changes stuff and then he comes back in the second one and he's sort of like running side by side with himself you know so like they come back the second time and you can see like oh here's us from the first time going out and doing something so we're going to go try something else and you see all these impacts like the consequences of these actions all kind of like coming together in different ways you know so maybe the first one time they go back and they stop the car so the next time they go back, they have to remember like, oh, right, we stopped the car. So we can't wait here. We have to go somewhere else because the car stops. And it's sort of like that figuring out that math problem of like oh, everything. We, every time we come back, we're impacting the past. All right. That's really all I got. All right. Bobby, any uh, questions? Um, so I guess uh, for Darren, uh, why would Miyazaki and like the Japanese audience be interested in this very American moment? I guess is it my first question. That's a good question. Um, I think that it would be a um, since it's a foreign film. Um, I think it would be like a, it's obviously a, a very very big moment in our nation's history, and I think um, it would be a really it could be a really cool learning moment for um, to learn about you know like history of other countries i guess you could say and being such a, an iconic moment in our country's history and and kind of how our world essentially nowadays is kind of coming together anyway um with social media and whatnot and um i think it would be a, a cool kind of way to view a, a, and, and, it, and it wouldn't necessarily have to be 100 percent accurate either because what version really is at the end of the day if you think about it but I think it'd be a, a cool way to explore it, a different way to explore that story. Cause it's been touched on so many times already, but I think it'd be a cool way to explore it in a different way. So. Okay. And then Tristan yours, um, I guess I, I just need a little bit more defense. You don't even have to answer it now if you want, but more in 
your fight of kind of the tone of your movie and how that ending wouldn't come off as very corny. Um, and a, it, it actually reminds me, and this is probably going to be a very niche audience that's going to remember this, but every year on MLK Day, we watched a movie called Our Friend Martin. Uh, and it reminds me a lot of that, where these two go back in time and kind of are with MLK and realize that his death needed to happen and it still made impact. And it's like, it's a very corny educational video, and that's what yours reminded me of um, a little bit. Um, it does sound good, but it has that corniness to it. So I just need that kind of defense. Yeah, I think, I mean, it'll be like sort of lighthearted, obviously, because it's, it's going for like an uplifting sort of tone. You know, we're seeing these people who are going through a dark moment in their lives and they go back in time trying to like change the past so it doesn't happen. But ultimately they learn like, oh, we can overcome darkness. And because I put Ava DuVernay in there because I think she can pull off sort of like a family sort of tone for this, like something that people would go to, whether they're adults, whether they're kids and learn a lesson from it and still have fun with the time travel elements too. Okay. Cool. All right. So I have another question. It's for Bobby. Bobby, was that movie animated? And is there a scene of them on a train? Yep. Yeah. It's the one that we all watched. We all watched it. All right. Yeah. I had like some weird mental flashback of a memory I don't remember having. And as he started talking, I'm like, I think I've seen this, but yeah. Okay. I was like, wow, I think that must have been in my subconscious when I was writing this pitch. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll let you guys fight it out. Okay, so uh, Tristan, um, with your movie, uh, a couple things. The tone of it doesn't sound consistent to me. Um, and then also, it doesn't sound like there's really, like the whole point of the movie is nothing really changed at the end of the day. But I feel like there's no arc. There's no progression to get to that at the end. And I feel like everything that kind of happened was kind of for, for nah. And like nothing really at the end of the day really go. And you don't, you just kind of go in a circle. I guess is my is to kind of how well, the way you described it to me. That's kind of how I viewed it. And if that's the point, then it's like, what's the point of the story? I guess like, yeah, I guess you know, like we're supposed to not kill him, but in a way that kind of sounds ex- almost exactly like the eleven twenty two sixty three James Franco series. So I was gonna, I need you, I need your help on that one. Uh, yeah, well, I haven't seen that series, so I imagine that it sounds similar in the premise, but. Uh, my defense of the of this of the story here is that sure it goes in a circle, but that's like how stories usually are. Like there's a story circle; they come back to where they started, but they've learned a lesson and they've changed because of their experiences. And when they start the movie in in the beginning of the first act, they're in 2020. Everything's kind of shitty. You know, they're they're very down. They're very depressed. They think they're losing hope in this in this current pandemic in this current uh, year. And they they ultimately learn the lesson of. Uh, you know, not having to lose hope of learning that sure we can go through really dark moments like JFK getting assassinated or like the coronavirus, and we can ultimately as a country still get through that and still become something worthwhile afterwards. And I think that's the lesson they learn. Like sure they don't save JFK or they don't like stop the virus, but they they learn a lesson as a trio of characters. Right. Do you have anything for me about my movie? Well, I think uh, I'm just getting a little bit of a clash here. Cause I understand that it's like an anime movie from like studio Ghibli style directors. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if I necessarily see the story that you told fitting in like a studio Ghibli kind of world. Like, like they've brought up before the very fantastical stuff, like spirited away stuff, like my neighbor Totoro mm-hmm. are right. all very like there's creatures and there's magic and they're otherworldly. They're very like a kid goes to another world and they meet something crazy and kooky happens. And, he learns a lesson and like, that's not really what this sounds like to me. This sounds like 
you took directors that people know from anime and had them tell a story that is not in any way close to their wheelhouse of storytelling. But you're saying he can't do it? I mean, sure he could, but why would he? Like, he's He barely makes movies already. I don't think this is a movie that's going to pull him out of retirement and say, oh, I got to tell this story about JFK, you know? He would want well, to I come think... up for something really groundbreaking, really imaginative, and that really lets him run with his creativity and not something that's just like a historical drama. I think there's a lot of significance in the JFK story, though, and I think it would be a cool way to kind of branch out from what he's already done and do something a little bit differently and bring something to a, a new audience and and have a new way of understanding it for like a younger generation per se. So I, I think it would be, I mean, I think you could definitely do it. I think with the, with the voice talent that's out there today, I think it would be, um, I think it would be something he could definitely, he could definitely do and he could definitely take on. And I want to know too, how much do you get into the conspiracy theory angle? Like, is this like a JFK style conspiracy thriller or is it more, mostly focused on like the actual event that happened? Yeah. I mean, there is uh, an emphasis on the, the conspiracy theory aspect of it. Cause I think they're, it, it kind of, that's where like you see a little bit of those hints of those fantastical elements. You almost kind of have to have that. Cause when you look at the original Parkland film, that's the big thing that was missing is it just kind of told us everything we already kind of knew about JFK. And the, and the whole story behind it, it's just kind of a retelling of that. And it wasn't really anything new. It wasn't anything, you know, that made it stand out. It was just kind of there. And that's ultimately why it kind of fell flat at the awards ceremony that year. So I think, you know, when you have, when you add that aspect of it back into it, especially in anime, like in, in, in animation, that's a really an area where you can really explore with that too. You can really bring it to life in a new way. So I think that's kind of where I would, I would definitely have more to that, but not, hundred percent like straight up, you know, conspiracy thriller, but uh, I would definitely have some of that flavor in there for sure. I understand that. My, my point for mine is I, I get that the people are a little put off by like the, the tone, I guess, but I think Ava DuVernay is a good fit for that. She did Selma, but she also did like wrinkle in time and she's had, she has a pretty good variety of, of movies. She's even done documentaries. You know, I think she can, she can bring in something serious some historical event, you know, she did Selma that was historical drama and I think she could make it into sort of like a rounded, a family film. You know, there's not going to be gore. There's not going to be like violence. Really. There's not going to be like sex scenes or things like that. It's, it's going to be very much aiming for the, for general family audiences, not kids, but like, you know, teenagers, young adults and the parents trying to have a movie night together. Right. And see with the wrinkle in time. See, I wasn't a huge fan of that movie and I know it wasn't necessarily beloved by critics and audiences either. So I'd be a little concerned about retreading that same ground with that. But that's, I guess that's all I really have. Yeah. I think I've made my points on mine. Yeah. Yeah, I think we got it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm still torn. So hopefully my judges both pick the same person. Um, Um, I've been starting with Bobby. I'm going to go Johnny first. Yeah, I'll, I'll start on this. It's tough because I, I think both of you touched on something that could be interesting and then um, didn't really go through with like all the way that I would have liked to, to hear it. Um, Tristan's time travel roles were too complicated and his tone, Darren was right. He hit on the, the tone being all over the place. I wrote down my friend Martin with headshots over and over again. 
I don't need to see a movie made like somewhat for family, but 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 then like they're like, okay, we can perform this surgery. And then you have JFK with half a face come into the hospital and they're trying to do surgery on him. Like your tone was all over the place. It needed to be a completely adult movie or a family movie with less murder. But every day they're going back and I'm guessing that they're seeing him get killed over and over again. I don't need to see that. And Darren, I, I don't think you use the Studio Ghibli as well as you could have. I would have loved if you just said, you know, oh, it's a it follows a Japanese medical student who comes to America and is working in Parkland the day that this happened, and you follow through more with the impact. We know the impact that JFK's assassination had on the U.S., but I've never seen anything about it having an impact in other countries, and you know it obviously did. Japan was the first country in the in Asia to broadcast the news, and that's what really broke it. It was a huge deal in you know, around the world, if you went with kind of the aspect of this is someone's perception and talking to their family back in Japan, no fantastical elements, make it more like Grave of the Fireflies, I would have been really interested in it because there's plenty of Studio Ghibli movies with that are just dark or like Only Yesterday is a good love story, no fantastical elements. Um, but overall, I do think Tristan's is just too all over the place. And I at least like the idea of where some of uh, Darren's ideas went. So I'm going to go with uh, Darren on this. All right, uh, Bobby. Yes, this was interesting because like Johnny said, I feel like both of you touched on some good points, but missed out on kind of the full potential of your pitches. Um, Like Tristan, yours. Yeah. It, it, the tone is not quite there for me. Like I I don't quite understand how it's going to reach out to all those audiences. Um, And I'm not going to go over all the same points that Johnny did, but similar thoughts there. Uh, And then Darren, um, I think actually the theme and the moral that Tristan had in his movie would fit well in yours because a lot of Miyazaki's movies um, are not even really plot driven and there's very little plot and it's all emotion and how usually children cope with feelings of loss or loneliness um, and all that. And that could have done you really well if you focused on kind of how a kid would react to such a major person being killed. Um, but at the same time, I, I am more interested in a Miyazaki version and seeing another, uh, you know, another country's take on this event than I am to see this, you know, this president get killed over and over and, and kind of have the, the tone that I'm not sure about. So I'm gonna go with Darren as well. Yeah, I, I was leaning towards Darren a little bit. I kind of agree. Like it was kind of like, I feel like his didn't have the same negatives that Tristan's has where his was just like. I don't know if it just didn't feel fully realized where Tristan's was more fully realized, but it was realized in a way that I wasn't sure about. Like I still can't get over Zezzy beats getting in JFK's car and JFK, not just immediately kicking her out of his car. Like what that happened in the movie, I would be like, no, I don't believe this, but yeah, I feel like if you had done more, what Johnny said about like making it about a Japanese medical school student, or if you had made the main character, one of JFK's like children, and you kind of did what they did with the movie Jackie, where it's like, Hey, we see JFK Hmm. about JFK as like this huge, like almost mythological figure. But like at the end of the day, like this woman's husband was killed. And if you had focused like this, like child's dad was murdered on national television and like, everyone in the world is talking about that and you focus on that or something i felt like it would have been a more you know decisive victory but i'm still either way even if i voted for tristan darren gets the point so i think that ties us back up at two to two but we do have a live comment from i think a newer commenter i don't recognize his name uh they said anime is weird 
for a serious subject. And to that, I would say watch Grave of the Fireflies because that is maybe <laughs> yeah. the most serious fucking movie you will ever watch in your life. It's weird for Miyazaki yeah. to make it, though. Like, he yeah. didn't do Grave well, of the Fireflies. Right. Yeah. yeah no, anime... But it's still an anime movie that if that movie mm-hmm. will end your fucking day. Like, if yeah. you had plans after that, cancel them because... You're not doing anything after you watch that movie. Yeah, and and for for a lot of people, I mean, we have a very narrow uh, mindset on what anime is. Anime is a, a medium; it's not necessarily a genre. Um, so they cover a lot. There's a lot of different yeah. there. There's plenty of tones and everything like that. Yeah, I feel like people just hear animated and think like kid movies, but there's a million things out there. Yeah, like I, I'm not letting anyone under like 13 watch Grave of the Fireflies. No. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, Darren gets the point. Tristan, where are we going next? Uh, I'll go with... Hmm, I'm tempted, conflicted here, but I think I'm going to go with Olympus Has Fallen. All right. Just uh, an American classic. Yeah, right. They announced the fourth movie in that series. Yeah, and they're going to come up with another one. Yeah, it, well, right now they the night has fallen. I yeah, think. night has fallen. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the dark night. Yeah. yeah. The dark night has fallen. It's Jar Butler facing Batman. Yeah. And who's gonna Never go know. first? You or you or uh, Darren? Darren can go first. Okay. Right, so uh, Olympus has fallen. Forty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Honestly, I don't know. I've never seen any movie in this franchise, so it uh, might be a pretty spot on rating. Uh, it's a 2013 American action thriller film directed by Antoine Fuqua. It is the first installment in the Fallen series. The film stars Gerard Butler, Aaron Eckhart, Morgan Freeman, and Angela Bassett. The plot depicts a North Korean-led guerrilla assault on the White House and focuses on disgraced United States Circus Secret Service agent Mike Banning's effort to rescue the U.S. President, Benjamin Asher. And that's... okay. So, uh, okay, so for this one, I, I was kind of torn on this one too, but I eventually, my rule on this one's going to go with martial arts. Um, so for my take on this one, um, I have, so instead of the White House being under attack, I kind of changed it a little bit and have it be the secret location of Spy Kids. This is going to be like a Spy Kids movie. Um, so the same exact plot structure is utilized um, from Olympus Has Fallen, but kind of with like a, a different video game skin per se. Um, so like once the base is compromised, uh, Junie's kids, uh, Michelle and Connor take matters in their own hands and secretly enter the game. Uh, they team up with a new friend, Flora to take down the secret villainous organization known as Kang, um, which I think was a character from the, uh, Olympus Fallen film, uh, which is comprised of Carmen's kids and father. So it's kind of this kind of story about the kids of both, uh, of Carmen, which is Alexa Pina Vega and, uh, Junie, which is, uh, uh, Daryl Sabara. Um, so inspirations, you know, is like Spy Kids, Goonies, um, and also the CW uh, uh, TV network. Um, obviously, the age range for the film really bumped up from like kids to like young teens in a way. Um, so it kind of like follows like, you know, yeah, when you saw it when you were a kid, now you're a little bit older. Um, kind of like what they tried to do with that Dora movie that no one probably ever watched. But um, so for my cast, um, I have uh, McKenna Grace from Annabelle Comes Home. Uh, she's Michelle. Um, for, uh, Connor, I have Noah Jupe from A Quiet Place. Um, uh, for Flora, I have, uh, Mia Ketch, uh, Darkest Minds. 
Um, obviously, I have Alexa Pina Vega and Daryl Sabara back as Carmen and Juni. Uh, Kang leader is Dwayne Johnson, who is also directing this film. Uh, I think it'd be a cool way to to enter uh, to expand on that for him in his career. And also, some of the Kang members I have: Asher Angel from Shazam and Haley Steinfeld from Bumblebee, because I think obviously they're young stars, and I think they would kind of help uh, boost uh, box office and recognition because obviously they're talented as well. So. Um, that's my pitch. All right, uh, Tristan, what, what what do you got to compete against that? All right, so for my Olympus has fallen, I used Bane in my movie. I made mine like I know HBO Max is trying to do like those sort of like other world kind of DC movies where they take characters but they recast them and don't really worry about continuity. So I'm kind of going with that. So I'm not trying to fit it into the continuity of any of the Batman's. I'm just sort of using the characters and. Repeating some stuff. So when President Harvey Dent, played by Billy D. Williams, replacing his smaller role from the uh, Batman Returns, he comes to Gotham for a charity event. Uh, and when he arrives, uh, the villains of Gotham, the Joker, played by Willem Dafoe, Bane, played by Dave Batista, the Riddler, played by Neil Patrick Harris, and Penguin, paid, played by Dan Fogler from Fantastic Beasts and a few other movies, uh, they all take over the event and capture the president. But meanwhile, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle are both undercover at the event, doing sort of recon missions as detectives do. Uh, and now they're forced to work together while undercover to rescue this candidate, uh, this president from capture. Uh, so our alt versus Bruce Wayne is played by Army Hammer, and the Selena Kyle is played by uh, Tatiana Mislani from uh, Orphan Black. So we get to see Bruce and Selena use sort of their detective skills that we don't get to see that a ton in the movies. So we get to see them sort of sneaking their way around the building, uncovering the plan of the villains, and the whole while making sure they don't reveal their identities because they're out of costume. They're just as they're, as themselves at this event. So of course, it's Olympus has fallen, so there's plenty of, plenty of action. Uh, we have Bruce and Selena have to put on these sort of makeshift costumes. They don't have their costumes there, so they're just kind of using what they have around them at the White House to, to, to build costumes for themselves, you know? <laughs> so maybe they have like a, some piece of a chair, they break it off and use it as like a shield or something like that. It's just, it just gives it sort of like a fun, almost sort of grounded, but not really like it's grounded because they're using what's around them, but it's not grounded because it's big and it's Batman and it's kind of fun. So that's what I kind of went for is they're going, uh, since there's so much action and you want to go sort of like villain by villain and, have them defeat these villains, break them down, and ultimately uh, having to fight Bane and the Joker in the last scene while they had the president. So we have a nice final scene where they're trying to fight this guy with all of their accumulated stuff from around the White House, their their new costumes that are made out of whatever they can find. And they have to fight these villains while hiding their identities, and ultimately they rescue Harvey Dent. And But there is an accident, and we see Harvey Dent gets very injured on his face. So there's sort of like this cliffhanger of like, oh, is he going to become Two-Faced in some like future movie? I think even though they're these standalone DC movies, I think it, they want to have these little maybe setups, you know, sort of like Batman Begins had the Joker card to the end. And even if they didn't do Joker, like it's just a nice callback that Joker's in the universe somewhere. So I think having Harvey Dent set up, maybe he's going to be Two-Faced would be a fun setup, even if they don't follow up with it. And that's my pitch for it. All right, uh, Johnny. Do you got a question for either of them? Um, my question for Darren is: In what universe 
would anyone consider Spy Kids a martial arts movie? <laughs> I just think like the the fantastical part of it of being inside that world of that you know that virtual reality kind of world. I think there could be there's a lot of that fighting, especially when you think of like like that's I think that's kind of like really popular and really among that that demographic. I think we kind of go for that. So I I kind of view it as like a um, it's not necessarily like the, the demographics of for like I would say teens, maybe not like really really young kids, but still able they can still watch it and find enjoyment in it. But it's kind of like for all ages per se, I guess I should say. So yeah, but I mean like specifically like are they doing martial arts? That's kind of key, and they yeah. don't do that in any of the Spy Kids movies. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I I would envision that. Like that's how I would. That's how I'm pitching it is like the martial arts within that world, because obviously do you have all this craziness in the in that VR world with like the tech and everything? And I think that, I think that would be something that if you made it more along the lines of martial arts and more, more fighting, I think that would be kind of a fun way to uh, incorporate that. So. All right. That's all I got. All right. Uh, Bobby, any questions? Uh, my, my question was really the same vein. It was kind of, if it's a martial arts movie, is it really spy kids? And if it's spy kids, is it a martial arts movie? Like, how is that going to mesh? I just kind of need that defense given that you, you know, even just during the fight, but, and I understand Tristan's movie. Uh, it's a Batman movie. It sounds fun. Um, you know, not, I, I'll hear more about it. For sure. And I think when you have someone like Dwayne Johnson, who used to obviously, you know, used to be a wrestler and whatnot and, and have that, that physicality to him as well. I think, uh, a movie that plays to his strengths is obviously something that's going to be uh, key. And I think when you have, I, I mean, like, I, I understand what you're saying, like Spy Kids, martial arts isn't necessarily not the first thing you think of. But I think when you when you go for like a slightly different demographic, I think it would play more to not only Dwayne Johnson's strengths, but I think the strengths of like the people in it. I think when you with that with the choreography and with uh, um, kind of exploring, uh, getting more into that that VR kind of world, I think you can go more into that aspect of it more and have it be a little bit more, it's, it's supposed to be a fun movie, you know, it's not supposed to be like realistic or anything. So you can definitely explore a lot more of that because obviously um, despite kids, th- that, that world is not obviously like in real, in real life either. So you can, you can, there's, there's room to play with that as well. So. All right. Joe, you got anything? Uh, no, I think you guys basically hit on everything I had. I was super hyped when I heard, Olympus has fallen as a martial arts movie and then Spy Kids was thrown in and it definitely <laughs> changed how I pictured this movie. So Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll just see, have you guys fight it out and see. So I guess we've we've talked a little bit of the negatives of Darren. So Darren, what, what are some things you have against uh, Tristan's pitch? So let me get this straight. Of all the Batman movies that could possibly happen, you come up with one, with not only Olympus has fallen, but you also, I mean, and I get you, you're fan casting a lot of those roles that a lot of popular people that are fan casting for those roles. But, um, I just, in no universe would I ever, of all the Batman stories, I want like bat, like Batflix Batman movie that, you know, that we would, would love to see, or even the Robert Pattinson one that we're getting. There's already so many versions that we're getting of this character. And then to get one that, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't love the Army Hammer choice personally, but I understand why people do. But, I just, I've, it feels like to me, it's not a movie I would want to watch, especially when they're in the White House and they got to make makeshift costumes. Like what? Like I don't, and I, I, I didn't catch who was the director of yours, Tristan. Oh yeah, uh, 
the director Chad Stelanowski, who did a uh, John Wick movies. Oh, sure, I see. Okay, um, and so I get where you're coming from, but I just it's not something that I, that appealed to me. So, um, I, I, as a viewer, I would be like, really, like, there's, you know, I would, I would honestly rather want, get the Schumacher cut of Batman Forever, but. Um, I just did of all the Batman stories you can come up with that just seems kind of really out there. And I understand the HBO max aspect of it. of trying to pitch an Elseworlds kind of story, but I think with, we're already getting that with the Snyder cut. So, and, and obviously like the Gotham PD. So um, I don't know if there'd be a need for that. I think it wouldn't be something that might not be well received or wanted, I guess. Well, I think the point of these sort of like alt versus DC things they want to do is that they can go weird with it and they can like, oh, here's your chance to like deal with a fan casting movie one time, you know, like they're not, probably not going to get Neil Patrick Harris to be their like forever Riddler. They could probably get him to come for like this one movie they can pay him for, you know, and I think this really gets the most of these DC alt first movies where you can see like, oh, sure, Army Hammer's Batman and he's stuck in the White House. Why not? We don't got to like set up why he's what's his motivation in life does he hate superman what's and like you can just throw the characters in and you don't have to worry about like oh this is out there this is weird like of course it's out there and weird that's why you're watching the dc like alt universe movies you want to see something weird you want to see something that's not just oh his parents get killed and then maybe you skip forward a year or something and then now he's batman he's fighting the riddler he's fighting penguin like we've seen all that before on the streets of gotham like this takes what we know and puts them in a totally different location and totally different odds, totally different stakes. And I think it would be really fun to see these two characters out of their costumes, you know, having to interact with each other out of, out of their like superhero characters more. We, we never get to see Batman be the detective in these movies. Like there's, there's maybe like one scene where he does like a detective thing, you know, like in the dark night when they have that little heist where he brings a phone in to the building and that gives him like this, big view of all the rooms and stuff like that. But I, that's like what Batman should be doing in some of the mo- some of these movies, doing some detective work on top of the action. Plus I think building the makeshift costumes off of random stuff is fun. Like when you see these alternate movies, you're like, Oh, what are they going to do for like the alternate universe version of the Batman costume? And it could be fun to see them have to like build up a costume out of what's around them. And in a way that would hide their identity while still being like practically useful. I think it'd be a really fun movie and get like this one-off fun time with Batman, even if it's not like a Zack Snyder style continuity Batman. It's just something fun to do. So in your version, there's obviously no Batmobile then, right? No, no, they're all in the in the White House whole right. time, pretty much. Right, right, yeah. Like you'd see, see the beginning I mean, when the, they get there, but... But see, part of the appeal for me of watching a Batman movie is seeing the Batman outfit, seeing the actor who's portraying him, seeing the Batmobile... Um, it being that world, that's what kind of makes me excited about seeing a Batman movie. And I don't, I don't really get that with yours, I guess. Well, you're seeing him as Batman. He's fighting all the Batman villains. He's Bruce Wayne. He's teaming up with Catwoman. He's fighting the Joker. Like that's pretty Batman. I think <laughs> he's really, literally wearing a costume fighting villains. No, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I just think, especially when you pair it with the guy who directed John Wick, um, I just, for some reason, I can't wrap my head around it. For whatever reason, it just it doesn't it doesn't mesh well for me in my head for the story. I mean, it's it sounds interesting, but I don't know if it's something that like with the Joker, I could like with that movie with Joaquin Phoenix, I could understand the going the the different route with that one and kind of going more in that artsy kind of style. But I don't, I, I just I can't picture it with yours. 
I like the idea. You know, you have the Joker that goes over to the artsy side, and then you have this as sort of just like a fun action movie side. And I think that's sort of what would be so exciting about these DC movies. They don't have to worry about sticking in the same general genre like the MCU does, where everything kind of ends up feeling the same. So that's my defense of mine. But to move on to yours for just a second, I agree with all the questions here. I don't see how this is a martial arts movie. Like, sir, Dwayne Johnson, that's good casting. I could see him doing a movie like this. But when you go through, like, all of the other cast members on here, I'm like, well, they're not going to be fighting people. You know, like when I see that you get people from like Stranger Things and they're like, oh, they're going to be in this Spy Kids CW style martial arts movie. And I'm like, well, that's like a million different things. <laughs> Smashing the one. So that's my biggest tag yeah. on yours is I just, it doesn't feel like it's a martial arts movie to me. All right. I'm ready yeah. if you guys yeah. are. Yeah, I have my decision. Um, I'll go first. So I think part of the trap people fall fall into i've fallen into it before is like in a role like cast bane in your movie is to take bane and then all of these other dc characters where i feel like to me the more interesting version of you know olympus has fallen with bane is i like your director choice is to have bane as the villain and then have keanu reeves as like a disgraced secret service agent who has to take out bane is more compelling to me to then than like batman at the white house but that's kind of he's not like dressed as batman he doesn't have a batmobile however with darren's it's like a martial arts movie but it's spy kids and then dwayne johnson and his directorial debut it's just a lot of things coming together that i don't know if they come together well and i feel like a martial arts Olympus has fallen where you have like ninjas or just like, you know, just great fighters coming into the White House and these Secret Service agents got to take them out. Sounds like a great movie, but that's not what I heard. And so I feel like this isn't so much for me, Darren or Tristan winning the pitch. It's more Darren losing the pitch more. So I'm, uh, so I'm, but I'm still going to give uh, Tristan my vote. So uh, Johnny, who are, who has your, um, yeah, I agree. I didn't love Tristan's pitch, but I, I feel like Darren, as soon as he said martial arts, Olympus has fallen, he put himself up on a pedestal and I was like, it's going to be really hard to lose this. And then he said spy kids and then the pedestal went away and he's standing on flat ground. And then every single word he said, the rest of his pitch dug himself into like a 35 foot grave. Everything sounded awful it was a whitewashed spy kids movie the whole original intent of spy kids was kind of to give some diversity it was a very spanish movie i don't need to see noah jupe in a spy kids movie trying to do martial arts fights even if it's for kids and you mentioned the cw it's fitting because of the lack of diversity and um I don't know, man. That just that was a really bad pitch. That might um no offense, but yeah, when you said martial arts, man, I was real excited. Yeah. Put a, put Donnie Yen in the White House. All I needed to hear, and you would have won miles and miles away. But your defense of a martial arts movie is Dwayne Johnson, who doesn't do martial arts. That's not a very good defense for me. So I'm gonna go same thing with Joe. Tristan didn't win the pitch, Darren lost the pitch. I'm gonna go with Tristan. All right, and then obviously Tristan gets the point. Uh, but Bobby, where would your vote? Have gone? Uh, yeah, same thing. I mean, I, I texted Johnny partway through this, and I just said, "Darren's losing, losing you with every sentence, isn't he?" Um, so yeah, I mean, it's more like, like you said, it's that spy kids thing just didn't quite work out for me. Um, I didn't love Tristan's pitch for Batman. I think it's a little disposable, but uh, yeah, just this, that mix just didn't work. All right, uh, so it's Darren's pick. Darren, where are we going next? 
All right, I'm just seeing how much we have left. I think we got what two movies left? What yeah, I got? think it's the campaign and then Team America World, please. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go Team America World, please. All right, that's a longer read for me. So, and then who's going first? You or uh, Kristen? Um, I'll go first. All right. So, Team America World Police came out in two thousand four. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 77%. Uh, it's a comedy film directed by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Uh, Matt Stone and Payne Braley, all of whom are known for the popular animated television series South Park. The film is a satire of big budget action films and their associated cliches and stereotypes with particular humor, humorous emphasis on the global implications of politics of the United States. The title is derived from domestic and international political criticisms that foreign policy of the United States frequently and unilaterally tries to police the world. Team America follows the fictional titular paramilitary police force in the recruitment of a Broadway actor in an attempt to save the world from North Korean dictator Kim Jong-il, with leading a conspiracy of Islamic terrorists and liberal Hollywood actors in a bid for global destruction. Uh, instead of live actors, the film uses a style of puppetry. And that is my description for Team America World Police. Darren, what is your pitch? Okay, so for Team America World Police, the role that I will use is having Bane in my movie. Um, director, I'm going to have Lord and Miller. And this is going to be a Lego movie style uh, reboot of that movie. So the skeletal plot of the film will remain pretty much intact, but uh, modernized to kind of fit the world we live in today. So North Korea would be replaced with Russia. Um, and the final act of the film will have glorified cameos from Bane, Batman, Superman, Iron Man, and Captain America. Um, the film will poke a lot of fun at cliches and stereotypes of movies, kind of like the characters I mentioned, like superhero movies, um, Legos, and also the real world with uh, Russia and election interference and all that fun stuff, I guess. So, um, so for my cast, I have um, Seth MacFarlane is kind of like uh, running the show here. He's in a variety of roles. Um, I also have uh, Shamik Moore from Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, Molly Ephraim, uh, Last Man Standing. Uh, Jason Marsden. Uh, he's from the Goofy movie. Uh, he does a voice of Max. Uh, Jonathan Adams. Uh, he's, uh, he's done some uh, DC work, uh, anime DC work. He would be my Bane. I think he has a big, strong voice who can really carry that role. Uh, Nicholas Cage as Superman, because why not? Uh, Will Arnett as Batman, uh, to carry on with that Lego movie continuity. Um, Chris Evans as Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. as Captain America, to switch that up to kind of uh, they can poke a lot of fun at each other's characters that way. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So I, and, and I would, like I said, it'd be kind of like in the, it'd be an animated movie, kind of like in the style of the Lego movie um, and that continuity. So that's my pitch. All right. Uh, Tristan, what is your pitch for Team America? Wolf? All right. Let me pull this up. For my version of Team America World Police, I made it a martial arts movie. Uh, my director that I used is Matthew Vaughn. And my cast is this team of badass fighters who were assembled by Ronald Reagan to hunt down Russian cells across the world. And uh, I have Jean-Claude Van Damme, Becky Chan, Donnie Yen, and Lucy Liu. And it's going to go for a similar tone as the original, where it's obviously like a parody kind of making fun of martial arts movies, but also making fun of America's role is like a world leader trying to like impose ourselves into everything and 
destroy our enemies no matter what we can possibly do. Um, like I said, they're assembled by Ronald Reagan, who I have played by Bruce Campbell. Uh, the film's like a globe-trotting martial arts comedy epic. <laughs> the team tracks down the enemy bases to fight their way through, sort of like the way you would do in martial arts movies. You'd have like these levels they have to work through, but instead of like levels of fighters, you know, it's like each one's like a base of enemies they got to fight, and then when they finish that that boss of that area, they get this like long-winded exposition speech where he's like, "Oh, actually, the real villain is over here," and they say, "Okay, we got to team up and do this again." So they go through a couple of these different bases. And they finally reach the ultimate, uh, Gorbachev, <laughs> who is fights them in a giant mech suit. Uh, so they're fighting like this giant mech Gorbachev, while and while they're fighting it, he like smashes the Berlin Wall. So he destroys the whole Berlin Wall, and they kind of do this like retroactive history where they're like, oh, they destroyed the Berlin Wall because they were fighting this mech monster version of Gorbachev, and. Ultimately, they, they defeat Gorbachev, but they find out the suit he was using was made by the U.S. military and coordinated by Reagan himself. So the big finale is this team of, of, of kung fu masters who are sent out on this dastardly mission by the United States government to destroy communism. And now they're realizing the real enemy is the president himself. So they attack the White House and they get in this big battle fighting Secret Service, fighting everyone along the hallways of the White House and ultimately having to defeat Reagan in their final battle. So it's sort of like just this big comedy, action comedy, where their final battle is destroying Reagan in the White House. And that's my pitch for it. All right. Uh, Bobby, any questions for either of them? Um, I mean, I, I do. I like both these pitches, so it's mostly going to come down to the fight. I think they're they're pretty fun. Um, I guess just a little clarification for Darren. Um, so this is going to be like Lego movie you know, PG type rating, right? Like it's not going to push the boundaries, you know, like the original. I would say, yeah, like PG, PG three, I would say PG 13, probably just to uh, give myself some breathing room off with that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's not, not really a criticism. I just wanted to kind of understand what you're going for. For sure. And uh, is, that, is that it for you, Bobby? Yeah. All right. And Johnny, any questions? Um, I, I'm interested in these, uh, because uh, Team America World Police is such a hard one to pitch, because that movie is so great and it's so unique. I kind of need to know why either of these movies are called Team America World Police. More so for the Team America aspect for both of you. Of yours is all Asian actors, Tristan, and. I didn't get the sense of Team America World Police from Darren. So you guys can just get into that with your fighting, but that's the points I kind of need to hear. Defend why your movie is actually a pitch of a Team America World Police and not just two movies you wanted to to make. Um, but that's not really a question for you. Just get into that when you argue. Joe, you got anything for them before they get into it? Uh, no, yeah. So I'll say you guys can start with answering that uh darren can go first but this is also just your open argument as well so for sure so with mine obviously like i'm leading with it being uh obviously like a lego movie but i'm i think seth mcfarland's gonna be the big kicker here obviously just because of you know name brand and obviously like family guy and whatnot so um i'm really leading with him the 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 part where like you really talk about like the team america world police being brought in um, is really where it comes down to in the and like the I envision as like the last half of the movie where that's where I incorporate a lot of those like superhero characters like and obviously like 
uh, Bane being a part of like the, I envision him being like the Russian and then also like the, so like you have Superman, Batman, Iron Man, Captain America, like those are, and superheroes are such a big part of our culture nowadays anyway, that I kind of envision that as being kind of like a fun way of um, kind of like bringing, bringing all that together and kind of uniting and in a weird way, but also like poking fun at each other. I think there's a lot of room to explore and have a lot of fun with that. And also with Lord and Miller, I mean, obviously they're good. They're good directors. I mean, forget the whole Han Solo thing. Like everything else they've done, you know, with Jump Street and the Lego original Lego movie. Um, you think about Into the Spider Verse. I mean, they're obviously you know really good at what they do, and I think they could have a lot of fun with this. And I think it would be a a, a good movie in terms of the you know times we're in right now. So for, for me, my defense of this being Team America: World Police is that. Team America World Police was this like ridiculous movie where every, like it's just so over the top and bizarre and just absurd. And I think I went for like the absurdest of that. Like, you know, they're they're fighting a, a Mecha Gorbachev and at the Berlin Wall. Like that's that's pretty much something out of like a ridiculous Team America World Police movie. You know, and the last battle is I'm fighting Reagan in the White House. Like that's something that's so ridiculous that I think could be pulled right off of those movies you know, almost, you know, like and and I think what's more American than hiring foreigners to do our dirty work for us. So I think bringing in a bunch of people who are not Americans to be this like squad, they send out to the world to do everything for America is sort of in a way meta with, with, while also getting in like these really skilled martial artists who could do the fighting scenes and make them badass while still being ridiculous, you know? Cause I think the biggest problem with the previous, uh, uh, martial arts movie was that none of the people really felt like they could do martial arts. It didn't really feel like a martial arts movie. And I, I, I really went in for the martial arts angle here. I got people who could really fight people who could really pull off the moves and really look badass doing it. And I brought in the absurdist absurdism of the team America to add to that, you know, just fighting ridiculous enemies and tons of bad guys. And they're all going to have one liners. They're all going to have like, this is from America and they kill somebody and just stuff like that. That, that feels very much right out of Team America for me, at least. I can see it. Also, um, Tristan, will your movie, like the original Team America, have um, a nod to cats? Oh, we have to. Way? I mean, you got to have maybe like a Taylor Swift cameo or Andrew Lloyd <laughs> Webber cameo. They're, they're all waiting, you know? There this you is go. The movie. You and your Taylor Swift. <laughs> and all I right, think I'm ready a, a, Lego, a Lego movie that's Team America, World Police is such a bizarre clash of tones. Like, sure, the Lego Batman movie was like a little tiny bit darker than the Lego movie. <laughs> but le- when I hear Lego movie, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm bringing my kids to see this, you know? And I don't I, have kids, but I if they were here, they'd be seeing it with me. I think there's a way you we could poke fun at a lot of the things that are like and that are commonplace. And I think there's a way you can do it where it can be a family movie. And I think especially considering how you know, hugely successful that franchise is and how good Lord and Miller are in that realm, I think they could definitely pull that off and, and kind of tie it all together. So, And I think a lot of what made Team America World Police so ridiculous is how much it satirized American culture and like a, Americans, America's governmental role in, the, in global politics. And I don't see that at all in yours, really. So I wanted to, I wanted to ask you what how are you tackling like the commentary angle really in this movie while you're still making it a PG 13, like teen kids movie? 
Well, I mean, I mean, if you look at, um, I know I didn't necessarily watch the whole thing, but um, when you think of like the the Deadpool Christmas, the weird kind of like Deadpool two version of like turning into a Christmas movie, kind of where like he's not allowed to to like swear or anything. I, I'm kind of envisioning it kind of being more along like in that kind of frame, in that kind of style. And you have Seth MacFarlane, who obviously has a history of poking fun at stuff and being very self aware with his comedy. Um, and so I would really lean heavily on that, like family guy style kind of what, but not so hard R with it, but it being a little more family friendly and poking fun at that too in itself in a way. I mean, you can, you know, like you can envision Deadpool doing the same thing. It's kind of like that. So. I, I guess I see that, but I don't really, I don't know. I'm just not getting a good picture of, of the tone of this movie, I guess. Like, I guess you could do like a watered down PG 13, like, version of this kind of a movie but i just don't really see it being very good like when i hear seth mcfarlane but it's pg-13 and it's lego and he's appealing to kids i'm like well that sounds literally terrible like seth mcfarlane can barely make adult comedy i don't think you can make a comedy for kids so that Oof. comparison doesn't really <laughs> fit for me personally but okay well, i would just say just because it's pg-13 doesn't necessarily mean it's watered down and doesn't necessarily mean it can't be good I think there is a way you can poke fun at a lot of things. Like you can say, you know, uh, like Frick or, you know, like you just, you know, you can, you can poke fun at, at that in itself too. And I think there's, there's a way you can make it where you have a good compelling story at the heart of it. And then that comedy really, really brings that home. So. And I also think yeah. that the movie, the rule was to use Bane, not to have like a cameo mm-hmm. of Bane at the end of the movie. And if I'm going to get knocked well, I mean, for including Bane along with the whole cast of DC characters, I think having him as a random cameo in a movie that's not even related to the DC is is is, is not using Bane. Well, I mean, the DC characters have been a part of the Lego movies, you know, and and also when you and, you know, I I mean, I think Bane would be really good in the last half of the movie. Um, I envision it more of like the latter half of it, so it wouldn't necessarily be, you know, just a cameo per se. Um, it might not be like the focal character, but I mean, obviously like that's like part of the, he's, he's, he's the villain. And I think it, it also introduces a way to bring a lot of, to poke a lot of fun with like, you know, like Batman, Superman, Iron Man, Captain America, and really poke mm-hmm. a lot of fun at, poke a lot of fun with, with those characters too. And our, in our culture. So All right, I, th- I, I, think we got, I think we got where we're going. Um, uh, Bobby or uh, Johnny, what, who gets your vote? What are you thinking? Um, I I don't think either film really captured the spirit of what Team America World Police really is about. I mean, even the title, Team America World Police, it is making fun of America for, you know, going around and doing, they are policing the world. You do what we say. We're the ones that are correct. Darren, uh, Tristan hit that pretty well um, in some aspects. And Darren didn't even like touch on that. I feel like in in his if if his was Seth MacFarlane's character started Team America World Police and wanted to show the world the way America works because America rocks. Like everything is awesome, but it's America is awesome. And then he learns from the superhero characters that you know there are different cultures and different ways to do things. Like that would make it more so like Team America World Police. Your movie didn't sound any in any way, shape, or form like you know, like the original movie in any way whatsoever. And the problem with it is Seth MacFarlane sucks. 
and you're not going to win me over with Seth MacFarlane. See, I'm I'm with Tristan on that, but but my main thing with it is, you know, I the other thing is a big corporation like Lego is not going to make a movie like Team America: World Police. So even connecting those in the first place was was a mistake. Lego is going to make family movies, but they're not going to make politically charged movies, especially attacking America um, in any capacity. So, so your movie doesn't really fit together. Uh, Tristan's I would go see because it sounds fun. Um, and that's my decision. I'd go with Tristan. All right. Uh, Bobby. Yeah. So it was interesting because on the initial pitches, um, I felt that Darren's was ahead by quite a bit and I was leaning towards you. And it, with every argument that you made and then Tristan made, it just kept going towards Tristan's side. Um, because you kind of went away, you leaned too hard into Seth MacFarlane instead of Lord and Miller, um, even though they're the directors, which is, I think was a mistake. And then, um, even just making it PG 13 with a Lego movie, you're kind of mixing tones. I would have rather had a PG movie where they are a kid friendly way to criticize the government and criticize America in that. Um, so you kind of went in friendly way to criticize the government. <laughs> Yeah, that is what this really, country needs it's more, it's from an early age. Yeah. But it's more like you can do it without being blunt about it. And then Lord and Miller are fun. Like you could have argued that and I could have bought it. Um, I don't think they're going to make a PG-13 Lego movie. Uh, and then Tristan, you answered the Team America part pretty well because I was concerned about that too. So yeah, I, I think uh, Tristan got my vote. All right, yeah, my vote really doesn't matter, but I think I would have went with... Uh... Uh, Tristan as well, just because I feel like his movie fit more with what I think of the Team America World Police, and I agree with Johnny about I don't know if like a Lego Team America World Police is really fits. I feel like the PG like the, connecting it with Lego, I think really hindered what your movie could be as far as a Team America type movie of I don't see Lego really criticizing America when they're trying to sell to America. So I think with that, Tristan wins uh he takes a 4-2 lead however darren needs to win on the campaign otherwise uh tristan gets a repeated rule advantage the next time darren and tristan play so i guess for the campaign darren are you gonna go first or is tristan gonna go first um i can go first i guess all right Gotta look up the campaign. Oh, the campaign got a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is an American political satire comedy film directed by Jay Roach and stars Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis as two North Carolinians vying for a seat in Congress. That's all I had. So, okay. So, the campaign, um, my rule I'm going to do with this one is the only one I have left, which is teen comedy. Um, for my director, I have Greg Berlanti, um, known as the popular producer from the CW superhero universe. Um, so I'm going to be keeping kind of like a similar plot, but changing the scenario from high school uh, to change the scenario to high school um, for like senior body president, per se. Um, the bizarre, wacky humor is still there, but with the sprinkle of heart and romance to kind of tie the bow on this kind of high school experience of expectations versus reality um, and I think Greg Berlanti would be a really fun way of, of doing that and, and being the director and kind of uh, not only mixing it up from like the superhero genre, but I mean, he's also done, he's also been responsible for like Riverdale and, 
and um, Julia mentioned of Sabrina. So, um, so for Matt Marty Huggins, I have Gaten uh, Matarazzo for Stranger Things. I think he's, he just fits the younger mold of that character so well. Uh, for Cam Brady, I have Jace Norman. Um, he's really popular from Henry Danger on Nickelodeon, um, kind of going for more of that younger audience. Um, for Mitch, I have Karen Brar from Bunked, Disney Channel. Uh, for Tim Watley, um, I have Jerry Trainer uh, from iCarly and Drake and Josh. Uh, for the Rose Brady character, um, the younger version of that character, um, I have a uh, I have Kieran and Shipka. And then for uh, Mitzi Huggins, I have Isabel Oliver Marcus from This Is Us. Uh, for Wade and Glenn, uh, I have Drake Bell and Josh Peck from Drake and Josh. I think that'd be really fun, really cool to bring them back together in a comedic way. And then for Raymond Huggins, I have Phil Morris. Uh, so, um, yeah, that is my pitch for the campaign for being a teen comedy. All right. Uh, Tristan, what is your pitch for the the campaign? All right. My pitch for the campaign is also a teen comedy, uh, but... I went a little bit different with mine. I also brought in a TV guy. I, did, I brought Michael Schur in from Parks and Rec in The Good Place as my writer and director. I think he's a great writer. He's written some of the best comedy on TV, so I'm, I would love to see him do something big budget like this on, on, on a movie. And mine is about Tom Holland, who plays a fret bro who uh, is trying to be the president of his fret. And things are kind of... He's like, you know, the center of attention. Everyone kind of likes him. Everyone loves him and his fret. And then the president announces that to be inclusive, they're deciding that all the sororities, fraternities of the college have to become co-ed. So now women are joining the fret. And suddenly Tom Holland's like, like you know, douchebag behavior is not as cool as it used to be. People, are, people aren't happy with it. And Zendaya decides that she's going to also pledge the fret and run to be president. So we get this campaign, this, this drunken like college antics campaign between Tom Holland's character and Zendaya's character. And uh, the school principal, I have Ted Danson. He worked with Michael Schur on Good Place. Uh, and I have Steve Carell and Kristen Bell, who both worked with him in the past as well, who play Tom Holland's parents. And we, get, we see this relationship between the two of them where they're very, very confrontational with each other and they're always trying to one-up each other and Tom Holland's trying to act cool and tough and and I think that would be very kind of off tone for him you know we're used to seeing him as like a small little Spider-Man guy so I think it would be fun to see him like bulk up and play off type a little bit I know in an interview for a recent movie he did he was saying how he's not happy with how much he's pinned down into like playing those kind of characters very very Peter Parker-esque characters he wants to take on roles that are outside of that wheelhouse and I think playing this to be something that he'd love to do and of course Zendaya they have real life chemistry and she's an amazing beautiful actress so I'd like to see them get go head to head in this in this battle for fraternity presidential power and you have a similar arc to my election pitch I guess where as over the course of this movie they would come together a bit and she would soften him up a little bit and make him realize like oh you don't got to put up this front of being like a macho asshole all the time it's okay to be a little bit more vulnerable a little bit more real you know i think that's something that tom holland's character could learn from this start off at the beginning of just being really competent really douchey typical frat bro from a college type guy and learning from this assertive woman who comes into his life that it's okay to not be that type of guy if you don't want to be it's okay to be a little a little emotional a little bit off of your normal 
your normal uh, personality. I think that's something people would like to learn. I think it's something also that would fit into like Tom Holland's meta narrative of going into this role. It's not his normal persona. So that's my pitch for campaign. All right. Uh, Bobby, any questions for either of them? Um, I mean, I think they're pretty straightforward. Um, I'm leaning a certain direction, but I don't necessarily have a question that I need clarified at the, for now. So I just kind of want to see him fight it out. Any questions? Um, yeah, not, not, not really. Um, I do, I do like that Darren actually kind of went and cast more teenagers and, or Darren did and Tristan, yours is more of like a college comedy. And I, I think that's kind of different than like a, what I picture like a, like a teen comedy. So just kind of defend that a little for me. Well, I think we do see teen comedies that are outside of like the age range of teenagers, you know, and I think seeing teenagers see people who are slightly older than them in college, people, teens especially like to have this like glamorized version that college is going to be so much fun and so many parties. And I think you could tap into that market by giving them this fun college party movie with character, with actors and actresses they know and like. Okay. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't really have any uh, questions. So we just heard from Tristan Spitz. So Tristan, what don't you like about Darren's? I'm not a big fan of using Greg Berlanti in this. Uh, I think the CW shows certainly have their like following that's pretty devoted, but they're not like humongous hits really. You know, they're not really, they're not like critically acclaimed. Most people who watch them that are outside of like the bubble of DC fans think they're pretty bad. And I know a lot of DC, DC fans don't even like them because they take the characters into this like cheesy CW directions, you know. And when I think of Greg Berlanti doing this like teen comedy, I immediately go to like CW comedy that he's on the CW shows, and that comedy is like almost always bad, you know. It's like really cheesy type comedy, and when I look at his comedy writing, I just don't feel confident that he could pull off like a a good comedy movie. Well, I mean, I'll say this. Obviously, I am not the biggest fan of the TV universe that he has going on with the superhero stuff. But I think, I mean, between Riverdale, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I think he's really branched out into more of that CW aspect. I mean, I don't know if he's on the new Nancy Drew show or not. I don't know. Um, But what I will say is I think this would almost suit him better than the superhero universe. And I say that because the superhero universe seems really hindered down and... Just I, it knows its audience, but I think this would honestly suit Greg Berlanti better. You know, when you team him up with you know the young cast like Gaten uh, Matarazzo from Stranger Things, I think uh, that'd be so much fun. I mean, obviously getting that Drake and Josh humor in there as well would be really fun too. Um, so, and I and I think um, I think this would work better for Greg Berlanti being more of a human aspect, being more of like a, you know set in the in the real world and not so much more like the. The superhero stuff. I think that would suit him better. I see that, but I mean, I I just don't have much to compare it to. Like my my writer and director has worked on a lot of direct comedies. You know, like Good Place and Parks and Rec. He worked on The Office. Things that are very much comedies, first mm-hmm. and foremost. So I think translating that comedy to the big screen is a lot easier than taking somebody who's written superhero shows with some comedy in them and saying like, okay, here's a whole comedy for you that's not even in the same genre of your, of your experience, I think it would be hard for him to make that transition. Like sure. He's done uh, Riverdale and Sabrina, which are like slightly edgier, but they're still very much like CW in style and, and tone and things like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't see him breaking out of like the CW 
feel, you know, and I guess CW has a teen demographic, but they're not particularly good or they have like niches that watch them, but they're not loved by people, you know? And I think this would be a cool way to expand upon that. I think um, Greg Berlanti, you know, knock him for, you know, obviously he's not perfect, but he's the one thing he's always said is heart and humor. And I think that would be kind of the set, the center of this story. Um, and obviously with the Marty Huggins character, I think when you have someone like the, you know, from Stranger Things, uh, uh, Gaten, I think you could really tap into that and into that insecurity that he has as a character um, and trying to, to grow from that as well. And, and that, you know, what's, you know, what, you know, expect expectations versus reality and, and growing as a character, I think that'd be a really fun way to, um, you can still, there's, there's obviously still going to be those Berlanti isms, but I think there's a really fun way you could, you could do that and kind of do something different. I think mine has a good message for teens too. Like, especially if they're in late high school and they're ready to go to college and they're not sure how am I going to fit in? Am I going to have to put out this front? Am I going to have to act tough? Am I going to have to act feminine? Am I going to have to act like this or this and seeing a movie where it's like, Oh no, people in college, they don't have to put up these fronts. They can just be themselves. They can just be honest about who they are. And Tom Holland can learn that he doesn't have to put up a tough front. Neither, neither does Zendaya. You know, they can both learn that you don't have to act like someone you're not when you go to college. You can. This is your chance to be yourself and find yourself. And I think that's something that teens, like if you want to go for the teen demographic with this, that's especially how you do it. Like learn a lesson to these kids who are just about to go away for college and they're, they're struggling with their identity and they're, coming into adulthood and they're trying to figure out who they want to be and who they are. And I think this is a movie that could teach them how to find themselves and how to be comfortable in their own skin and things like that. See, to me, it's like, I mean, I, I kind of go with like what they were saying earlier with how it does. I doesn't, I don't get the necessarily like off the top of my head. Like I don't envision it being a comedy when you, the way you originally pitched it. Um, but also it almost kind of sounds like a Spider-Man movie, like in a, like, it almost sounds like it could be a Spider-Man movie. And, and that, and I think a lot of people would probably find that because you have those two main characters in it. And I, I understand you're trying to differ Tom Holland from that, but people are still going to see him as that, especially with her. And I think they won't, they won't be able to help themselves to make that comparison. And I think it might be distracting for the movie, I guess. I think teens love Spider-Man. So I brought those two people in there to appeal to the teen comedy demographic, you know, and I think they would love to see these two, Actors, well, I think they everyone loves Spider-Man. I mean, who doesn't, you know? And right. people loved Euphoria. That was a big, like, it was a like an R-rated teen show almost. Like, it had dealt with teen themes, but it was still very serious and adult. You know, they didn't have to make the kids act goofy or something. Like, they act like real people. And I wanted to kind of have that here where they're not afraid to show that young people do do stupid stuff and they do sometimes drink too much and maybe they do stuff they shouldn't do. But sometimes that's part of being young and finding yourself, you know? And I yep. think Zendaya, especially Euphoria, was able to show that, so I wanted to bring her in because of Euphoria more so than because of Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah, I think we got... We've yeah. heard everything we need to hear, right? Yeah, yeah I think I'm, I I'm good. Uh, Who wants to Bob, Bobby, go, you go first? first? Yeah, so it's interesting you both chose TV... Um, you know, producers and, and showrunners for this. Uh, but I, I do think that Tristan shows the better one to lead this. I feel like Greg Berlanti, he does what he does well. And I did watch a lot of those, you know, arrow flash kind of things for a while. I fell off, you know, a little while ago, I haven't caught up, but I don't think the comedy quite works um, with him. 
Um, and then you also cast like Drake and Josh, which it, with your demographic, even if someone's 20 watching this movie, they would have been four when Drake and Josh was out there. So like, it, it's, it's a little bit more nostalgic for like me and like probably most of us here, but not quite the demographic. When do we get so old? Four. Yeah, I, I know, know, right? But you've um, aged past Drake and Josh being a yeah. teen. I was like, surely teens watch Drake and Josh. Yeah, no, I, I was like, when when was Drake and Josh? Because that had to be, yeah, it was 04 is when that started. So, um, you know, I, I just think Tristan kind of chose the better thing for a comedy to me, for a teen comedy, even though it's a little bit above like a high school teen comedy. There are a lot of college teen comedies, and I think that works. So uh, I'm going with Tristan. All right, uh, Johnny, where are you going? It's it's tough because there was one defense Darren could have made to completely crush Tristan's argument. Tristan's saying Greg Berlanti can only do these CW things. How can it translate? Greg Berlanti directed Love, Simon, which was a super critically acclaimed, great comedy teen movie. But Darren never brought that up once in, in defense of his, of his directing choice. And I thought when you said Greg Berlanti that that was the reason you went with him and you only used CW stuff to defend him. Greg Berlanti is a good director and he's already proven that he can do it and not be just like the CW crowd. Love Simon's a really good movie. Um, and it's a good teen comedy. So I understand the directing choice, but I just wish you actually defended your pick with that. Um, I don't know if it just is something you missed in your research because you haven't seen it or you just didn't, you know, think of it, but yeah, man, if you, you could have crushed Tristan's argument so fast with that, when he said it can't translate to the big screen, he already showed it can, but, I can't really give that to you because you never brought it up. Um, and I like the chemistry of Zendaya and Tom Holland a lot. Zendaya is a queen. She's the best. Then, um, I just finished watching Euphoria over for the second time uh, in like two months. That show's amazing. So even though I think you did have a good directing choice, I'd like ideas that you had, Darren. I think the movie that I would just rather see is is what Tristan went with with the uh, with the frat party and stuff like that. So you were real close on that one, but and I was kind of torn, but I think that that last point is what gave it to me. All right, yeah, so Tristan officially wins 5-2, to two, but this one would have been a split decision because my thought process was I'm pretty torn 50-50 on which movie appeals to me more, but I thought, think if I was a teen and I was like, these two movies are playing at the same time, I feel like Darren's movie would appeal to me more because... <laughs> I have more of a connection. The I watch. I probably more likely watch a lot of the more um, CW type shows. And I also thought what Johnny did with Love Simon, but he didn't bring it up, so I can't really consider that. But it's more CW shows that I watch. It stars a lot of people in shows that I watch rather than Michael Schur, who you know I'm too young. I don't watch The Office. I don't watch The Good Place. I don't watch Parks and Rec. Tom Holland and Zendaya, like I know who they are, but I've really only seen them in Spider-Man where all these other kids, I've seen them in shows that I watched growing up. So I would have said Darren because if I was a teen looking at these two teen comedies, that Darren's would have appealed to me more. But doesn't Yeah, matter. but also what was the biggest teen comedy of our generation? Super bad. Like that was more of what Darren was going or what Tristan was going for yeah. and less of no, no teen comedy isn't like, you know, super bad level hijinks. And that's what I feel like Tristan went with more of. And I think yeah. that yeah, teen comedy way. wise, mm -hmm. even though I think there were actually more teenagers in Darren's movie, I think Tristan hit like mm -hmm. 
if I'm 13, I'm sneaking into that R-rated movie and I'm going to see Tristan's movie. Yeah. I'm not going to go see the family-friendly PG-13 comedy. Yeah, I was thinking you know? movies like Good Boys and stuff like that where they're not afraid to like push the envelope. And I think teens don't want to see stuff that's like super teeny. They want to see something that pushes yeah. the envelope and goes a little edgier. So that's probably that's why I went a little harder with mine. Yep, yeah. Johnny and I had the same mm-hmm. thought. Yeah, super bad kind of kind of movie. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, Tristan officially wins. Uh, Bobby, what was your favorite pitch of uh, each of theirs, if you can remember? Yeah, it, it's hard to think back on them. Um, yeah, um, I, I say, I mean, to be honest, I, I actually did really like Tristan's last pitch right there because it is more like a super bad type movie, and I thought that would be a lot of fun. Um but I mean, there was there were quite a few that were actually kind of split decisions for me uh, during these. It was a lot of like one premise was better, but someone else's arguments were better. Um, but uh, you know, it was it was pretty fun to to judge. So I think there's no real major standout. Like this was the best one for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about? Um, you? I I'd say for me, I I think it's it's tough because. This is only Darren's second time on here. Um, and I feel like some of us, I mean, I was critical on him on like the Spy Kids one, but like that stuff you kind of learn from and you get past, you don't bring in the other time travel show into your pitch. You don't bring in Spy Kids into your pitch. Like you kind of keep it your movie mm-hmm. pitch. You use the rule. You don't bring in other things. But I feel like he was real close on a few of them. And I think Darren's going to be real good the more he plays because the Studio Ghibli one, I feel like if you tightened up a few loose ends on that, could have been a great, mm-hmm. great pitch. Um, even your, um, I mean, you had the rule perfect down. The, the Olympus has fallen as soon as you saw the page. It should have been martial arts movie. Um, and, and you just went a different direction with it. If you just put mm-hmm. Donnie Yen in the White House protecting the president or whatever, that, that would have won you that point. You were real close on a few. Um, but my favorite pitch, I think from both of them was the movie that only they want to see. Oh, that was yeah. a really fun. Yeah, that's right. That was a fun round, that a fun, fun pitch. And both of you nailed that. The first time people were on here, they put way too big of stars. I think it might've yeah. been Joe and Alex. Yeah, it was me and Alex. And, and I did drop dead Fred uh, with Brad yeah. and mm-hmm. Bill Murray directed by Kevin. Yeah. Smith. That's right. Yeah. And, and it was like, more big star names and you guys still had some big stars, but it was very like niche in your, in your thing. So that was really good use of rules. It was, that was a tough one. That was the toughest decision of the day for sure, because those were probably my favorite pitches because you nailed the rule choice so well. Yeah. I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah. My favorite Um, pitch of Tristan's was the, uh, was the the election from, like um, the, in the 1980s yeah. with Michael J. Fox and all that, and then my favorite pitch of Darren's, I think, was the uh, uh, the uh, the Abraham Lincoln family. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah the other thing I was going to yeah, say because I want to give a shout out. I I kind of forgot because it was the first pitch of the of the day. Tristan's the post pitch I thought was really really good. I thought yeah. that was a movie that oh, I'd love yeah, to go see. That, it was yeah. a really interesting story. I love the way you went with it. You completely changed the story um, from the, the actual event, but actually kept it true to the original's values and made a movie that, like, if that came out, I'd go see it, like, tomorrow because I loved Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I'm going to go see whatever that director has to do the rest of her career, basically, because of that movie. 
So I like that one a lot. I felt like if the post instead of a movie was like an anthology miniseries. And so like the post was season one, like his Charlie Hebdo would be like a perfect season two. Like of just like, Hey, it's a similar type story. If you like season one, you'll like this, but it's a completely different story with similar tones and themes and messages and like that. Then I also like Darren's uh, Parkland studio Ghibli pitch a lot. It was just not quite all the way there, but yeah, a few a few mm-hmm. tweaks that would have been would have been really really good, but that one definitely it was enough to win you the point. And uh, Tristan, what was your favorite pitch of Darren's? My favorite of his was definitely the Parkland one. Like I was trying to pick apart just because it wasn't totally mm. put together as an idea, but I think you had all the pieces there, you know. And I think if you just put the glue together a little bit a little bit better, it would have been like a kick ass pitch. Obviously, you still won it, but like yeah. you could have that could have. I was I was when you started pitching it, I was like, oh, this is gonna be like a banger, and. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think that's one that you could, that that was really good and had a lot of good ideas and good, especially because I would love to see like another country's take on like an American event. You know, we don't really see that. Yeah, we see like mm-hmm. a Hollywood studios taking on other countries' events, but we we haven't really seen like a Japanese studio taking on one of the biggest events of American history. That would have been really interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Darren, what what was your favorite pitch of uh, Tristan's? Uh, probably election. Uh, I mean, there was a couple of them like that one and like the the post where he was pitching it. And I was just thinking to myself, like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to win this one. But because this was just it sounded really cool to me, too. But I'd probably say election. All right. Uh, I thought I was going to lose the campaign because I was like, oh, Greg Belanti, he's definitely going to mention Love Simon. He has a really good cast. I only have like three people yeah, on my cast list. Can't believe I missed that one. Yeah, that that oversight might have cost you on that yeah, one. Yeah, because even I Greg Love, si- like, Love yeah. Simon's good, and that was the first thing I thought of. I didn't even know Greg Berlanti was the CW guy until you said that, and then I looked. I had to double check, and I looked him up, and I was like, "Yeah, I know him because he did Love Simon. That's really the only movie he did, but that's a really good teen comedy." So, recommendation to Love Simon for anyone who hasn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I saw that and completely forgot it was Greg Berlanti because I know him as yeah. the Arrow guy. So, yeah, if you brought that yeah. up, you probably would have won that point. Yeah, same with yeah. the uh, American uh, or Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter where Tristan, we were just keep hammering on, oh, this person's famous, this person's famous, this person's famous. And Tristan yeah. never referenced that Darren's lead is Tom Hanks. Yeah, and, uh, Tom Hanks. It's like him not. And Jamie Lee that. Curtis. Yeah. Yeah, Tom definitely overstated that. Yeah. And yeah, so I had to give Darren the point on that one. But uh, Bobby, any final thoughts? Any Any recommendations? Anything you want to tell the people? Uh, I mean, I haven't watched a lot new lately. Uh, I I was showing my wife uh, Firefly and Serenity, the the show and then movie uh, for the first time for her and probably like the third time watching it through for me. And she liked that. And then uh, I'm playing uh, the remake of Link's Awakening on uh, Switch right now. So that's pretty awesome. what I'm doing. All right, all right. Uh, Johnny, uh, final thoughts, anything you want to say to the people before you... Sign off. Um, it was good to be back after a week off. Um, I, I think I have some ideas uh, just for like we did, you know, what we would have done. I have ideas for maybe some more small episodes we can throw in there for weeks that we can't really schedule everybody, um, potentially like movie drafts or something like that. Um, but, you know, I haven't really talked to anyone about that yet. But I think those we, we have some ideas to kind of at least give content every week because during the holiday season, it's going to be hard to schedule, you know four or five people uh, for an episode. But my uh, recommendations, I watched this. If you like a movie with a bunch of twists, um, 
and it's a foreign film. It's called Forgotten on Netflix. It's it's really good. I, I highly recommend that. It's uh it's literally just twist after twist after twist. You don't see them coming and, and when you do, it's fun to kind of guess what, what's happening. Um so that one is really good. And then I've been just playing Bobby's been playing a Zelda. I've been playing God of War for the past like week nonstop. It's so good. The uh I've never played any of them before and I picked up it was like twenty dollars to download the uh, 2018 God of War game that came out. So highly recommend that if you like a fun adventure uh, adventure game that's modernized and kind of open world too. So fun game. That's all I got. All right. Uh, Darren, any final thoughts? Any recommendations? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Lately, I mean, I just watched Blood of Zeus on Netflix, which I thought was really good uh, anime series. Um, I've also been watching The Vow. It's a documentary on HBO Max about the whole uh, Nexium. Yeah, uh, thing. The Smallville girl, uh, Ellie. What's her name? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a great documentary. Yeah, so that's what I've been watching lately, and yeah, that's oh god, I guess so. All right, uh, Tristan, our winner, uh, two and three, one went away from being a five hundred. Climbing it back so. up. He's I'm feeling pretty good, game. you know. Two wins in a row, both of them I got a repeat rule on. I'm pretty sure, so I'm I'm feeling like a comeback is coming on. You know, you guys made fun of me being zero and three, and and now I'm here to here to rule. You know, I I did yeah. spend the last week like not sleeping at all, just watching the news. <laughs> so I've been just recovering for the last couple of days. But I I have been watching Queen's Gambit on Netflix. That's a really good uh, mini series in there, starring Anya Taylor Joy. She plays like this chess prodigy who also has like a mental illness. So you see sort of like these visions she's having on her on her meds while also trying to become like a chess master. So I think that's a really fun watch. It's a quick binge. So definitely check that out on Netflix while you're watching while you're watching something. All right, yeah. For me, uh, final thoughts. I think both people did a pretty good job. Uh, Darren, I feel like it's just as he gets more experience, will be better. Same same. Tristan. Tristan started zero and three. Now he's two and three. I definitely see same thing happening with Darren. As far as recommendations, it's not anything new, and I haven't watched it in a while. But with a uh, Christmas season coming up, I'd recommend the movie uh, Klaus on Netflix. It's an animated uh, Christmas yes, movie. Babe. It's it's pretty good. I'm just saying, if you're tired, of I like the same, it. Joe had me. Joe had me watch it. We did a list of movies like for each other that neither of us have, like the other person hasn't seen, and that. And Joe had me watch Klaus. It's very good. I I get that recommendation. Really good Christmas yeah, was, movie. Yeah, I actually have for, uh, one more too. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, just yeah, just really quick. Uh, I forgot. So so Jen has been watching uh, The Great with Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt on Hulu, and that's actually really good. Um, I'm going to go back and watch it because I watched like a few episodes with her. Um, is that is that a comedy? Yes, it is a okay. it's a dramedy, I'd say, but it's pretty comedic. Um, and it's it's about these the Russians back. I don't know the exact year, but um, uh, Elle Fanning gets married to Nicholas Holt's character, who is a he's the head of the country. And um, she's. Yeah, but I don't want to give too much away because I know like the plot kind of is a fun part of the of the show, but uh, it's a really fun like raunchy, uh, crazy comedy based on like semi you know history. It's pretty fun. Cool. All right, yeah. Joe, finish your yeah, thoughts, Klaus, Mr. Klaus. Uh, it was nominated for best animated picture last year. If you're just tired of the same Christmas movies on rotation, fire up Netflix, turn on Klaus. It's like an hour and a half runtime. You know, Jason Schwartzman, Rashida Jones, J.K. Simmons, 
Uh, yeah, it's a perfect follow-up to Die Hard if you're on your Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch the best it's Christmas a nice movie family ever. movie. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, other than that, uh, see you next week. I have no idea what the plan is, who's competing, who's judging, nothing. I should probably get on that. So uh, yeah, We'll figure it out. Probably you're watching this, pretty soon. If you're watching yeah. this live, enjoy the rest of your night. If you're going to watch this later, enjoy the rest of your day. 